This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. I'm RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week we are going to be talking about butts, dumps, and farts. And it is actually relevant <laughs> to the film discussed <laughs> as we watched spine number 84 in the Criterion Collection. Good morning. Directed by Yasujiro Ozu from 1959. But first, RJ, it's Tuesday. It is Tuesday. What's your point, friendo? Uh, what's, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this. I feel very uncomfortable. Could you elaborate on uh, why you are un, at uh, unease well, this evening? Well, th- th- this is all just like, doesn't matter at the end of the day because uh, when people possibly go back and listen to this episode like a year two years five years from now the date that mm-hmm. we recorded does not matter in the least but uh we've kind of had the tradition the day that it, uh, our recordings fall are on a wednesday but somebody mm. sent me a message yesterday saying that they would be unavailable this wednesday and this made me very angry and uh, luckily mm-hmm. for him i was able to reschedule so we can record a day early and fortunately we had both watched the movie that we had to watch this week uh so it all worked out well mm. here we are Mm, that's uh, that's some serious salt and uh, s- sweet and sour coming out of your pipes, pal. Uh, a little behind-the-scenes action. Yes, we do typically go on Wednesdays. A couple months ago, I do recall saying that, hey, Wednesday is probably the busiest day of the week for me. Is there any possible days we could record otherwise? And uh, I, was, I was responded with, I was greeted with hostility, uh, aggression, and uh, stone cold bitterness uh, that Mr. Jared Duncan's ironclad schedule has only one open day a week, and it cannot be moved. Uh, it's so, not even—it's uh, not even an open day. It's podcast night. I have like, podcast I have, night. I have no free nights. No free nights. Yeah. So I—I uh, I believe I gave uh, several options uh, as to possible rescheduling, but it wasn't in the cards, mm-hmm. and that's fine. Yep. That's fine. I can usually make it work. As long as people understand, and by people I mean you, that uh, some days it might be a little late, and uh, once in a blue moon it won't work mm-hmm. uh, because I have stuff to do. So if you would, uh, I uh, I have to go to do a charity auction at the hospital tomorrow. So if you want to call them and tell them, tell them the, that they'll be six cinder blocks short and they won't be able to make the children's wing anymore <laughs> uh, because we have to do the podcast, that's fine. So... Uh, yeah, I have, an, I have a, a work event I I have to go to, and it's going to happen one more time. Uh, the last sale of the year is on a Wednesday. So get your – this is an entire month ahead of the curve, mm-hmm. ahead of the, the scoop here. So I'm just letting you know in advance. We can do it any other day that week, baby. Okay. You just you just tell me when, but it can't okay. be that day. All right. Okay. So. Let's say uh, if anyone cares, email in. If you want us to keep <laughs> no. our keep our petty squabbles to ourselves, email in. <laughs> yeah, our pub- let us know our public squabbles. Yeah. Uh yeah, nice. Uh hey mm-hmm. RJ, I got yep. a flu vaccine today. What are you, a girly man? Yeah, and my arm hurts. <laughs> like mm-hmm. I c- I can barely lift it like out to the side more than like I don't know. Was that 30, you, 30 degrees? Do you typically get the vaccine? I started the last, uh, this is going to be my second that I've actually gone out to get. Um, it, this explains a lot because you have been leaning towards a certain spectrum 
scale lately, and I guess uh, I guess it's because of uh, these things. Nah, I'm just kidding. But uh, do do you find it helps? Or do you get uh, I, well, I, I didn't get sick last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm learning the year before. Uh, probably yeah. Well, I I got pneumonia and my lung collapsed. Oh right. So, uh, yeah. yeah. So that's kind of been that that partly motivated me. Um, and also you know thinking about like old people, little little mm-hmm. babies, all those people that aren't like able bodied thirty something year olds who can take a flu, but mm-hmm. will spread it to other people. So I don't know. It doesn't cost anything. It just mm. it's a bit of discomfort uh, for like a day or two. Um, yeah. So it, my arm just feels like someone really punched me hard right in the fucking shoulder. And uh, mm. yeah. So I, I take it you have not taken a flu shot. No, I'm not a girl. No. Or a uh, man, because either could get a flu shot. Doesn't matter. Yeah. Do you uh, do you inject all your uh, those cattle with uh, all those flu vaccines and like yeah, they, all, uh, all, they, all they the aluminum get... and ammonium and other sort of like pesticides to kill us all? Uh, they don't get flu vaccines, but they have uh, medicine created specifically for cattle to keep them healthy. Yeah. Well, they're pretty tough. Then I think getting a yep. shot it means you're pretty tough. Yeah. Well, the alternative is death. Sometimes, yeah. It so, sure uh, is. <laughs> so no, uh, I uh, I get other vaccinations. Uh, I just don't usually get the flu one because until the last year or so, I never really got sick ever. Mm. But uh, I think like years and years of yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, but I think years and years of uh, Burger King and uh, beer and my lifestyle <laughs> are starting to catch up to me. And I actually I got I was sick a lot uh, twice this year. Mm-hmm. So, well, how about that? You deserved it. Probably. Get, get your but, shots. Uh, no. Oh, actually, I did a... I have a bunch of newborns in my family, so a couple weeks ago, I had to get uh, a re-up on a whooping cough, <gasps> as uh, that is on the rise, because a lot of people don't vaccinate their kids, and they're bad people. Yeah. So, uh, we have to get revaccinated. Yeah. Are those the same types of people who like use maple syrup to cure their dying children? I think it's garlic. Mm. Yeah. Garlic cl- cures all. Yeah. So that's what I read on a blog. Yeah. But uh, that day, because um, they made me get like six in a row in that day, and that really sucked. Oh, Jesus. Because they're like, you didn't get these. And I was like, oh, no, I did. I got them when I was at this place. And they're like, well, we don't have the records for that. So we're going to give you them again. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> Because uh, they, uh, it was actually to show how long I've gone without it. There, all of my contact information was uh, the last time it was updated was 1995, when hmm. I was a five-year-old child. Well, I guess those uh, Catholics had to destroy all that uh, evidence. The evidence. And your yeah. uh, your file just got thrown out with that, along with the uh, abuse. Along with the abuse. Well, you wash it down the drain and out of sight, out of mind, right? That's right. Those are all euphemisms yeah. and popular slogans of things, I believe. He, he denies it. He says it didn't happen. So, it didn't happen. Can't have another liberal in there. Mm. So, Arjo, how's your week been? Oh, um, fine. <laughs> Good. I uh, I don't have any hot stories <clears throat> for you. Uh, not a whole lot happened, to be very honest with you. Well, that's not true. What do you mean? Because RJ, the mm. Criterion Creeps podcast launched. It's a Patreon thing. Oh, I had nothing to do with that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Uh, you didn't. I just sent it to you and said, hey, we have a Patreon, RJ. 
And I was like, oh, what? Say what? Yeah. How's that going for you or for uh, us? Swell. Uh, yep. I don't know. It feels weird asking people for money. Um, uh, you I, get I, used to it. I generally don't make a habit of asking anybody for money, hence all my success in life. <laughs> I like to give stuff away for free. But <laughs> I don't know. I just like was thinking, you know, I, I, I could I could like maybe not like pay out of pocket for something and if people enjoy it they can pay us some money so mm-hmm. yes uh i went ahead and created us a patreon it's like patreon.com backslash mm-hmm. creeps or whatever the fuck um and yeah i don't know if you feel like we're worth it uh send us a buck send us whatever you want to send us that would be what's cool. uh what's the end game here What's so the, people know well i don't know uh initially i'd just like to you know recoup the cost of uh, SoundCloud charges us, well, me, mm. uh, mm-hmm. every month to keep all of our episodes up and have like unlimited uh, uploads so we can mm-hmm. keep our episodes nice and long, juicy, sound quality okay. Um, mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, that would be like the bar number one. That would be cool. Like yep. after that, you know, uh, you know, maybe, I don't know, just justify our time. <laughs> Sure. Yeah. Uh, I I threw out there a, a good uh, first goal though. That would be really fantastic. Which would be the hundred dollar mark, RJ. Uh, mm. Yeah. Because <laughs> we were having a conversation about your all time favorite movie, Salo, and this this crossed over into our conversations about <clears throat> perhaps doing some local screenings of movies. And mm-hmm. I was like, you know, I think a lot of people would really like to see RJ watch Salo again. His like favorite movie of all time. With, uh, with, with, I, a live, I w- with a live crowd. Um, I would not like to be in attendance at that event. But I do have to ask, what about our uh, our fans worldwide? How would they... Would it be like... Remember when Shia LaBeouf did yeah. that sc- all those screenings of all his movies, but the camera was just on him the whole time? Mm-hmm. Is that what it would be? Like uh, a live feed of that, me watching that, Salo? That would be... That had crossed my mind. <laughs> okay. Because I, okay. I, RJ, I do have the technology. I, I'm aware you do. I'm yeah. aware. Well, we'll see if anyone bucks up that hundred bucks. Yeah, and then yeah. maybe so, we'll get yeah, there. Yeah, that's and that's not like uh, you have to pay us a hundred dollars every month for anything like that. That's a one-time deal. Someone goes to bump mm-hmm. us up over that. Uh, so far, uh, two two individuals have stepped up to the plate uh, nice. to get us closer to that ultimate goal. Uh, for now, anyway, uh, mm-hmm. we have uh, Joshua, longtime listener. Mm-hmm. He, he kicked in. Uh, mm-hmm. Friend of the show, podcast hosts, uh, Lawrence. Mm-hmm. He he really manned mm. up. He drops that hard dollar, hard dollar, hard, hard dollars, hard, hard dollar. Yeah, hard dollars. <laughs> that was fun. That was fun that you did there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, that's awesome. Uh, we appreciate every cent. Uh, yeah. I can honestly say they have given more than I have. Uh, <laughs> this is which true. Is, which is nice. <laughs> other well, other than my time. Other than my time, Worthless. they have given I wipe my I ass have. with your time. Ah, I'm busy. Uh, I, I will say, uh, I'll make you a promise. If I ever have a real job, I'll kick in a buck to the Patreon. That would be outstanding. Yeah, I'll kick in a buck or something. But uh, yeah, you'll notice that uh, RJ's microphone says on it, uh, "Property of uh, Jarrett Francois Duncan." It does say that, but uh, I don't think you're gonna want this back after you see this see what's true. been done to it. No. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll kick in once I once I have a real job if that ever happens. <laughs> but uh, you know, I'm glad that those guys did. It shows uh, shows they got a lot of a lot of trust yeah. uh, in us. You know, mm-hmm. so uh, I'm gonna stop talking about them uh, behind their backs. 
Yeah, that's good. Um, yeah, no, it's cool. Uh, I mean, like, I've honestly, I I haven't used Patreon myself, so this is just kind of like, uh, I don't know, out of see what happens. But, hey, listening and, like, feedback is, like, just as good, if not some ways better. Yeah. Um, that's not true. Money's the best, right? Speaking of what, did we get any feedback this week? No. No. That would have been a good segue if we did. Yeah. Uh, you also posted oh. something on Reddit about the podcast, that Criterion Reddit, which I mm-hmm. know a couple people found our podcast from, but it's, and it's been a year or so. Uh, yeah. But it seems like there's some real crusty old people over on uh, re- on the re- subreddit there. Uh, yeah. they, they seem to like only want to talk about like what movies they bought, what movies they should yeah. buy, um, and like, what movies do you think should come out on the Criterion? Do you think this movie should come out on the yeah. Criterion? And people love that stuff. That's what mm-hmm. they're all about. But promoting a podcast that's like actually about the Criterion, nuh-uh. Yeah, so I can speak to this a little bit. This will be, <laughs> what this is what I did this week. Yeah, I made a Reddit post, and uh, I can talk about it now because it's okay, because it, it it gained a little bit of positivity, but yeah. the, at first it was coming under a heavy scrutiny and heavy downvotes. We were getting downvoted. Uh, we were in the negative numbers at one point, and I was like, <laughs> "What the fuck?" Because uh, it's not like it was the night of. Is like there's no way anyone went and listened to our podcast and then was like, "I hate it," and then went back and downloaded it. They just didn't like the idea, or maybe they didn't like that I was promoting it on the mm. page. But I felt like it was. On, I, th- I thought it was a pretty sincere post. It was like, hey, guys, do you guys like movies? We do. Shut up, nerd. <laughs> yeah. They punch in um, stomach, take your lunch money. Yeah, exactly. So we were getting under some heavy fire for a while, but uh, it rebounded. Uh, we are now up in the positives, uh, which is nice. <laughs> Low um, positives, though. I, I see. Uh, we are currently at eight upvotes, I think. Eight points. So uh, <laughs> we're doing think. great. That's, again, low. Like You see like yeah. people are 40 likes for like... Oh, are you going to buy the Night of the Living Dead Blu-ray oh, when it comes yeah. out? Or are you upset that it's a digipack? It's like, mm-hmm. this is like, man, sometimes I, re- I regret uh, supporting the Criterion Collection because, man, some of the fans of it are like it this. It's like these fucking yeah. people don't deserve us, man. So there is, uh, I, I can see the views of the post, and there's over 250 views. So uh, a lot of people looked at it. They just didn't upvote it, which is normal. I mean, I creep on Reddit all the time, oh, yeah. but I only I only upvote, like, really cute pictures of animals and stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, um, I can speak to that, too, because I absolutely fucking hate Reddit. I mean, I'm I'm on Reddit a lot. Don't get me wrong. I I wouldn't know what to do without it. But I hate what people. I think I've talked about it before. I hate how people use it. Mm. And uh, you're absolutely right. Like all people you do on the Criterion Reddit is like post pictures of their buys, which is fine. But uh, I remember I, I'll see if I can dig it up and put it on our Facebook. A couple months ago, one guy had this really big, really like uh, well put together and thought out piece about like how it that's a really shitty uh like community to have is like people who only support like uh the self-purchasing and like or like self-gratification and being like look what i got uh it was he said it a lot better than i did because what i just said might not even make sense but i'll try to find it uh because it was really good because the guy was saying basically he's like well this is horse shit he's like all people ever do is like talk about their buys and he's like who gives a shit and I was like, you tell him, man. Oh, here's you a tell good, him. Yeah. Does anyone else think Who Friend Roger Rabbit deserves a Criterion release? 
Uh, I I actually do think that because I think that movie is amazing, but uh, I would never make a post about it. No, and uh, yeah, just people with their stacks. I mean, I guess uh, there's that Barnes and Noble sale that's happening right now, so people are like, mm-hmm. this is the only time of year I think people buy uh, Criterion's because uh, their prices are, you know, they're high, they're expensive. Forty bucks U.S. retail is it's steep. Uh, yeah, the cheapest. Yeah, so I, I get it, but that's all they post, and then we actually have something like, hey, here's some like fan created content. But I mean, maybe people just hate podcasts, and uh, that's the 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 cross we bear. Mm. Well, that's a good way to alienate any new listeners that we may have gotten from that post. So, <laughs> well, uh, hey, the people who it's are good positive, that people know up front. Yeah, we, yeah, I think we yeah we hate Reddit, but Reddit like has also gained us listeners and whatnot. So that's it sure cool. Has. It, it's it's practical, but at the same time, we hate it. So mm-hmm. thanks. Yep. It's you know what that's a good metaphor for our friendship. Yeah, it's practical. There's a lot of mutual gain on my end, mm. but uh, at the same time, we we hate it. Yeah, 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 yeah. We hate it. Well, that all being said, hey RJ, uh, yo, what you, what you been creeping on this week? I watched a lot this week, Jared. What? No, you didn't. I did. I watched what? like five, six. Movies. Like what? Oh, uh, like She Wolves of the Wasteland. Jesus Christ! From 1988. <laughs> Also known as Phoenix the Warrior, which uh, I didn't realize until I logged it on Letterboxd, because She Wolves of the Wasteland isn't a movie on here anymore, but <laughs> Phoenix the Warrior is. Oh. Uh, so I don't really know how this came to my attention. I guess because it's like a naked lady movie from you saw, the eighties. You, you saw the movie poster. I saw the movie poster and I said that was pretty cool, but like no one I even have on Letterboxd has seen it, so I don't know where I saw it. Doesn't matter. Uh, so this is like kind of like a Mad Max ripoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a wasteland world where no men, uh, there's no more men, it's just women. So it's kind of like Why the Last Man uh, or where BKV got his idea for that book, I guess. Uh, and there's one lady named Phoenix and uh, she's trying to survive. Uh, but there are mutants and a really old lady who has like f- psychic powers and she consumes children and then there's a male baby born and she wants to consume her. And uh, you you can fill in the rest. Hmm. <laughs> uh, this movie was not good. Uh, I was hoping it would be fun to watch or something like that, but uh, it wasn't really. Uh, there was some funny stuff like one lady gave birth to the kid and then instead of being like a baby, he was already like a four-year-old toddler after he came out. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's kind of funny. That's magical. Yeah, that's kind of magical. Uh, so that was cool. Um, <laughs> there are some foxy ladies. There is a gladiatorial games, which is kind of neat at one point. Yep. Uh, other than that, you might like it with your uh, your couch buddies. Yeah. But uh, not as like a serious thing that you would pay attention to. Mm. The good news is it's only 80 minutes long. Ooh. So that was what I that was one movie I watched. Wow. Uh, I also watched a Jarrett pick. You did. I watched The Hustler oh. as it is uh, available. Uh, yeah, I watched a couple Jarrett picks this week. Oh. Uh, I watched The Hustler as it is available on Netflix. Yeah. And convenient. Yeah, after we recorded last week, uh, we, we, I, I, we spent like another like five, ten minutes of you just going through like what you could watch. And mm-hmm. you're like, oh, I can watch The Hustler. And I was like, you should watch that. And I kept saying, you should watch that. You should watch that. And then what did you do? You just watched some, some old Simpsons instead. 
Yeah, I was frustrated. Uh, I had that uh, packed fridge syndrome where there was too many options. Mm -hmm. And I I think I wasted, honest to God, probably 40 minutes because I was like, oh, what should I watch? Uh, Should I go to the store and buy some chips? Uh, What should I do? He started texting me, Jared, go get me chips. Yeah, and you didn't do it, you jerk. Um, And so there was, like, I, I was pretty frustrated. So at the end of that, I was like, I'll just watch TV. I'll just watch some comfort food. Mm-hmm. But the, the next night I watched The Hustler. And hey, that's a pretty good show. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, my buddy Hammy, he always had a, a, a big picture in his basement of this movie. Hmm. And uh, it always looked really cool. But uh, I was too embarrassed to say that I had never seen The Hustler. So I was always just like, yeah, that's cool. That movie's wicked. Uh, but now I can say, having seen it, that that movie is wicked. Uh, it's definitely an old man movie. Mm-hmm. Got uh, my main man, Paul Newman, eating hard-boiled eggs, doing his thing, uh, which is super cool. Who doesn't like watching a guy smoke cigarettes for two and a half hours? I know I do. Me too. Uh, there's some heavy drinking. There's uh, some womanizing. And uh, there's some gambling. Mm-hmm. It's a good It's a good dad movie. And, and there's Minnesota Fats. Minnesota Fats, yeah. He's in there. That's pretty cool. And uh, what's his face? Um you know, the guy with the real stern jaw. Oh. You know, uh, what's his face? You know, George C. Scott. Yeah. Yeah, that guy's pretty wicked. He is pretty wicked. From The Exorcist 3. Yep. <laughs> his his most famous role. His most famous role. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, man. The Hustler's really good. You think it'll be in the Criterion one day? What are you, what's your, what's your most wanted Criterion? Downvote. 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 Oh. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I don't have a ton to say about it, to be honest. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Uh, this movie, that movie is wicked. Uh, it's been a few years since I've seen it, uh, but yeah, it, it has that um, right amount of like kind of existential uh, mm-hmm. vibes to it, or just like yep. washed up kind of fools doing making bad decisions, like all, just like awesome. Act. Jackie Gleason, George C. Scott, mm-hmm. Paul Newman. Yeah, it's it's fantastic. Uh, it's a weird lone American kind of figure going against the mm-hmm. world and failing but yeah yes yeah. yeah it's cool it's just, have, now are you going to watch the sequel uh i was not aware there was a sequel what's it called uh, the hustler 2 the, the color of money starring oh. paul newman tom cruise directed <gasps> by martin scorsese i uh is it embarrassing that i i don't really know anything about this movie i'm kind i've never heard of it I've heard the name The Color yeah. of Money before, but I didn't know that was a Scorsese movie. Yeah, and it's uh, the sequel. Is it is it basically a remake, but with Tom Cruise being trained by Paul Newman? Yeah. Holy fuck. Tom Cruise <laughs> has some pretty good hair. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, if you guys go to the Letterboxd page, there the top banner is a picture from still from the movie, and his hair is heavy quaffed. <laughs> it is pretty intense. Is it high? Oh, it's high, baby. It's high. Uh, yeah, I'll watch that. That sounds good. Whoa. Is it like an actual sequel <laughs> yeah, with yeah. Fast Eddie? Yeah. Neat. Did you f- see the hair? Oh, I'm looking at it. <laughs> it's pretty oh, high, hey? Wow, that's uh, like Paul Reiser heights. That's some Paul Reiser heights right there, baby. That's high hair. Yeah. That's hot hair. Holy. Uh, yeah, I'll watch that. Because um, uh, I like the hustler. I was going to say, the only thing I didn't like, I think in the middle, it kind of dips a little bit. Where you're kind of like, um, not that like they could take out anything, but I was, 
I wasn't as interested when he was like just bumming around, getting his thumbs broken. I know it's a oh, important part that to sounds, the thing. That's crazy to say. I don't know. I was just I was like, eh, well. <laughs> but anyways, yeah, good stuff. I'll watch that sequel. Okay. Hey, speaking of Tom Cruise, you know what I watched this week? Uh, One of the biggest piece of shit movies oh, I've watched all fuck. year. Uh, and oh I man, I'm looking. At, oh, you, you watched Jack Reacher too, huh? I watched Jack Reacher Never Go Back. Uh, so I had heard that this movie was bad. Uh, I think we've talked about before. I like Tom Cruise. Yep. I know he's kind of a wacko in real life, but that's not really that doesn't come out in his acting. Yeah. I think he's a high quality professional. Uh, I also liked Jack Reacher one uh, when I saw it in theaters uh, mm. with the aforementioned ham meat. We went and we were like, yeah, because we just want to see you, Tom you guys Cruise scream at the, Did people. you scream at the screen? Woo, Werner, Werner Herzog. Uh, not when Herzog was on there, because who gives a shit about him? Uh, when Ro- Robert Duvall came up, we were like, woo, Appaloosa. You go, Robert Duvall. <laughs> so that was fun. Uh, but Dave, this has n- this, this, here's a what? side note. Do you remember uh, when uh, Robert Duvall was like in Calgary shooting that Kevin Costner movie, and he had some yeah, like, wasn't un- that unsavory words about Canadian actors? <laughs> no, what did he say? Oh, he just said that because they're all horrible. And it's like, well, he's not wrong. Oh, that's too bad. Oh, so good. I like Robert Duvall. Yeah, yeah here's the headline. Robert Duvall hates Canadian actors. <laughs> Robert Duvall hates Canadian actors. Robert Duvall recently spent 13 weeks filming the Western Open Range in Alberta with Kevin Costner, but apparently the experience was not to his liking. <laughs> I prefer not to work in Canada, the 72-year-old actor groused. <laughs> groused. Yeah, so that was like from like, yeah, it's like 2003. But I always remember that because, mm. uh, yeah, it's uh, an open secret that Canadian actors... Mm, not so good. Not so good sometimes. Uh, or if they're really good, they go, they leave. They don't stick yeah. around. Yeah, whatever. Robert yeah. Duvall's an old fuck. Yeah, so who cares? He is an old fuck. Uh, back to the point here. Jack hey. Reacher, never go back. Holy shit. Now, is this an example of like, I don't know, man. I don't know what happened here. This is like one of those movies that they pump out to retain the rights, I think, to the property because it it doesn't make any sense. Like uh, it's really short. The story is really bland. There's nothing there. Uh, Tom Cruise is fine. But it's like I said, he's a professional. Um, Everyone else in this movie is fucking horrible. That Colby Smolders is such a bad fucking actress. Like her delivery of lines is so stale and flat. She's like the army is selling weapons to other people and it's illegal. And, uh, that's why we're on the run, Jack Reacher. And, uh, you only wanted me here. What am I a babysitter? Because I'm a woman that's sexist. And you're just like, you're watching her and it. It's just like you bite your, the bottom lip. You're just like, Holy fuck. This is painful. Uh, even your buddy T bag from prison break. Yeah. Uh, or Twin Peaks fame, he's yep. in this, and like even his charm, because he's charming as fuck. It's creepy, yeah. but he's got some, he's got a swagger. Even he can't break through on this thing. Like they mm. they give him nothing to do. Uh, the bad guy is a no name fucking actor who's just like that guy couldn't fight Tom Cruise. Like uh, so, all the acting is bad. And then there's this really weird like um, uh, CGI. Like they're driving in a car mm-hmm. and the background, the passing scenery is CGI. And it's like, why? Or if you had to do that, like 
put a little more effort into it. Like, cause it, I, I noticed it. I was like, man, I, I feel like I never noticed shit like that. Uh, so that was really bad. And then like the music is just like, ugh, just like recycled garbage that they made for a movie like 20 years ago. Um, I don't know, man. This is a really bad movie. Really bad. Huh. If anyone would have liked it, it would have been me too. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if anyone out there, I, I can't even, can't even re- recommend people watch it. Just uh, bad. Yeah, I uh, well, I I seen the first Jack Reacher, uh, mm-hmm. and I thought that movie was like not so great. So, uh, I and I did read that first Jack Reacher book. Yep. Uh, uh, whatever it was like a year or two ago, and mm-hmm. I was just like, this isn't for me. I can't. This hard man stuff is just kind of like comical, and the fact that like yeah. he's supposed to be this like six foot plus like monster of a man who just bashes through people, and this idea that Tom Cruise he's so fucking big, he's gonna he's gonna bash you up. That's like he just <laughs> he's just so sad. It's just so I th- delusional. I think I I've heard lately that uh, Ben Affleck would have been a uh, more suitable choice for Mr. Jack Reacher. Oh, totally. Ben Affleck actually yeah. like looks intimidating. Like he's mm-hmm. actually a big dude. Um, yeah. where Tom Cruise is like, oh, look at it, look at him, these little his fake yeah. butt in Valkyrie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I've I've also I audio booked the first two Jack Reachers when I used to do that audiobook thing. Yeah, and then they were fine. It's like garbage. It's like junk food, you know. Yeah, like uh, I could listen to it totally at ease, but once it was done, I was like, all right, mm-hmm. done. Yeah, you're not gonna listen so, to all like 27 of them, wherever the hell they are. I might, but it would take 30, 40 years, probably. Yeah. One a year for 30 years. So anyways, if anyone would have liked this thing, it would have been me. And uh, it was bad. Okay. So uh, so then I watched uh, another Jarrett pick. Mm. Uh, I watched uh, a ghost story. Spooky stuff here, friend. Mm -hmm. By... uh, the uh, Pete's Dragon director, David Lowry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I want to watch Pete's Dragon so bad, but Andrea won't let me watch it because she thinks it's going to be really sad. Oh. I thought, yeah. I, I, I'm glad you weren't supposed to say it. She's afraid it might be really satanic. Then I'd be like, <laughs> oh, that's She's weird. afraid of that, that secret Puff the Magic Dragon message. Right. Is that the same thing? But, yeah. But getting lit. Yeah, getting lit. So uh, we, uh, she watched this with me. Actually, we watched a ghost story on the weekend, uh, per your recommendation. Mm. Uh, and you talked about it before on the show. Yes. But I think I'm gonna, I'm not gonna talk about the, the plot. But I might talk about me. I guess people could consider it spoilery. So I'm just gonna talk about a few things. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's good. I don't think it's great. Mm. Uh, I didn't love it. And uh, it's going to be a couple years before I watch it again. Um, I think uh, I think this movie thinks it's more than it is, if that makes sense. Like, mm. not that the guy, not that this guy's pretentious, because that's not the right word. But like, I think he he thinks that this movie is bigger than it actually is. And uh, the the reason I say that is later on in the movie, or actually what I should say first is I really like all the first half of it where it's Casey and uh, Rooney Mara. Uh, hey, do you want to hear a Rooney Mara story? <laughs> no, I, uh, not really. Okay. I'll tell you after I talk about the movie. Okay. So uh, <laughs> I like all the stuff with like Casey and Rooney Mara. And uh, like, I like the progression of that where uh, the themes, you know, absence and time and loss and all that stuff. And uh, I even like, 
um, when it moves on and he's still there. I like parts of that. And then it really loses me when uh, it. Uh, so this is the spoiler. If you don't want to hear, just skip ahead like 20 seconds. I don't like when it goes to the future and then it goes to the past and it's like the cyclical loop. Uh, I usually like stuff like that, but I didn't really like it here because I didn't think it fit very well. I was like, I think it would have been better if it, they just kind of kept it a little bit more grounded. Um, and I don't really know the reason for that. I was just, it kind of lost me. I was like, eh. I was like, I'm not as interested in this kind of stuff. Um, I feel like I've seen that stuff before. And then Andrea got really hung up on like the, uh, um, the rules of the ghost dimension, uh, because it was like, uh, when you see the Mexican family, he's like throwing dishes and stuff like that or the Spanish family. Sorry. Uh, he's like throwing dishes and like he can pick stuff up. But then later when he's trying to get stuff out of the wall, she was just like, just use a tool. She's like, just use a screwdriver do anything like you can pick stuff up so she got really hung up on that <laughs> stuff um which is fine and then uh when uh when you hear casey affleck's song uh she audibly laughed she and she thought that was the dumbest shit uh like the song that he makes because it's like when you love someone and it's like boom boom uh, it's like i don't know it's poppy i guess but she thought it was really funny she's like i don't see that kind of music coming out of casey affleck <laughs> Something more crazy hard, I guess, is what she expected. Hmm. Uh, so anyways, I did like this movie. Uh, I do think it's good. I really like uh, it's shot really nice. Um, I think he tells a pretty like it's actually a good story. It's a really cool idea. Like I love the idea of just having Casey Affleck with a sheet on his head. But uh, even even not that like not that aspect of it. I, I like the idea of the story itself. Um, but I didn't like a few of the where it goes a little bit at the end. So, um, yeah, it's a pretty good show. Okay. Yeah. That's a ghost story. Hey, yep. Yeah. Do you have anything to add to that? Mm, not really. Um, yeah. Cause I've seen a few people say that all oh, the movies, uh, goes be like goes beyond its reach or something like that. And I don't really get the complaint. <laughs> Yeah, like I don't know. It just it seems like okay. Well, so like, what did you? Yep. I, I'm not sure what people wanted out of the movie. Like, like I'm not sure. Like, uh, it's kind of like a strange yeah. thing, other than they don't like it or they don't mm -hmm. like that direction. I guess. So yeah. No, that's yeah. That's all it was. I didn't really like where it where it goes there. Yeah. I, I think I would have liked it better if it kind of just stayed with what it was doing. But and I then, mean, it's but not. Then, it's but not then like what? But then what I happens? Don't know. I don't know. That's for them to say. That's their story, you know? Yeah. But, uh, like, the other thing, too, is it doesn't, like, I don't think it ruins the movie with that either. Like, it doesn't linger that long on those aspects. It goes by pretty fast. But I don't know, Jer. I enjoyed the movie. I just don't think it's uh, super terrific. Hmm. Not for me, I guess. Uh, and then I watched one last thing, which I believe you watched as well. So this will be a nice segue for you. I watched Jim and Andy, The Great Beyond, featuring a very special contractually obligated mention of Tony Clifton, which is the documentary made during the filming of Man on the Moon, starring Jim Carrey, uh, about Andy Kaufman. And uh, this was held by Universal for a long time because they didn't want 
Jim Carrey's behavior to offset any the release of the movie because Jim Carrey went full method. He went Jared Leto on set and uh, he totally lost himself and became Andy Kaufman and uh, really pissed people off, it seemed. Um, so this was a this is just kind of a documentary like they were filming all the stuff he was doing while they were they were filming it. And I think I've talked about on this show how uh, Man on the Moon is like one of my favorite movies. I I really like that thing, man. I don't know if you've ever uh, mentioned that on the show ever. No, <laughs> probably not. I don't think so. No? Uh, well, yeah, I, I, there's I been no I, need. For, there's been no real need for it to ever come up because it's like, yeah, yeah. When was the last time Jim Carrey? I thought maybe uh, in stuff. last January when I was doing my Jim Carrey run. Oh, I, maybe I then. Maybe about it, but uh, well, anyways, I really like Jim Carrey. Uh, he has the same birthday as me, uh, and as Andy Kaufman, I think. And uh, he was really goofy Canadian, and I thought that was pretty cool uh, because I was kind of goofy. And uh, I thought Ace Ventura was the funniest shit ever because it had, like, weird faces and farts and stuff. And I was like, yes. Uh, so Man, Man on the Moon was a movie I really liked. Um, and uh, I really liked this documentary, too. I didn't rate it uh, because I don't know what I would rate it. But uh, I enjoyed it. I, I liked watching Jim Carrey do his thing. Uh, I like seeing that Andy Kaufman stuff. I thought it was pretty neat. What about you, dog? Yeah, uh, so I watched this as soon as I could, etc. came yep. out on Friday. And yeah, like you, uh, I, well, I, I'm maybe not like you, but I, I really liked Jim Carrey for like a window mm-hmm. of time, kind of like, because sure. uh, when I was, uh, God, thir- 10, 10 years mm-hmm. old when the uh, Jim Carrey stuff really started coming out. So you had Ace Ventura followed by... The Mask, and then uh, Dumb Dumber, which is an mm-hmm. all-time classic film. Sure um, is. But then it wasn't like then he had there's Cable Guy, but no one cares about the Cable Guy. I like that show. I think it's fun. Yeah, I yeah. But <laughs> but, were, but there was Truman yeah. Show, and that was like yes. kind of like when he he really stepped up his game and started sure getting did. those notices. And this I think was the follow-up to that uh, Man on the Moon, mm-hmm. and like that's like. Like it's been a while since I've seen it last. Mm-hmm. Uh, like that, I think that movie's fantastic. I like it a lot. Yeah. I probably like it more for like the story than like the actual movie itself. Because I think like mm-hmm. uh, Milos Forman, that I've seen like a, quite a few of his movies. I think he's yeah. made better movies, but I still think mm-hmm. that movie like uh, capturing like yeah the Andy Kaufman story, which is pretty fascinating. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like, watching this documentary, I was really reminded of like how great the late 90s kind of were because you had oh, yeah. uh so chris smith directed this who also directed the documentary uh, american movie uh oh which, neat which, i didn't know that yeah which is like uh an absolutely fantastic documentary uh mm-hmm. and it's produced by spike jones uh who's mm-hmm. also like uh, I, I got a figure of the late 90s who was just like hot fire making like some of the best music videos around and then like he sends off the decade by making being john malkovich uh mm-hmm. jim carrey who at this point was still like pretty surefire um and this yep. was like again him being more ambitious wanted to be considered a real actor I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, all four of those things are captured here in uh, Jim and Andy. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I, I love, I love this documentary. Uh, I thought it was, yep. gr- I, I was really cool watching this stuff. Cause like at the time that the man on the moon uh, movie was coming out, uh, there was this talk about stuff going on on mm-hmm. set. Like there were like, th- there's just like, but it's all like, Oh yeah, she's just being Andy Kaufman. And mm-hmm. 
who knows? And like even in the sense of watching this documentary, you feel like there's you're, you're, there's the aspect of your being Kaufman worked, which I think yeah. is like kind of the coda at the end of this, uh, where you're like, or was it the story, or what is this? And like, mm-hmm. so there's like sort of these like weird like lines that this crosses. I think one of the most interesting things that uh, Jim Carrey throws out is that this almost should have been more what the Man on the Moon movie was. <laughs> like, <laughs> if you like could mix both of these things simultaneously, that's what it should have been. It's like not yeah. even like a straight up biopic, uh, but like yeah. the sort of like. Um, meta movie mm-hmm. which so i've been thinking about that and being like huh i wonder if someone could re-edit like man on the moon in this documentary into something that's like really fascinating but i don't know if it would work but it might be worth some super fans time to like mm-hmm. attempt it and see how it would play out um so is that your most wanted criterion <laughs> down, maybe we down could vote, get down down vote. maybe we could get david lynch's ex-wife to edit it together for yeah, us get mary sweeney in on that yeah yeah. Yeah. Um so yeah, I don't know. Neat. Like I have so this like has hit all my nostalgia buttons. Shit, yeah. Uh so I don't know. Depending on like yeah, if you like really like Man on the Moon, you probably should definitely watch this. I, I, mm-hmm. I mean, if you know about it, you probably or have already watched it if you really like, like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I don't know. Uh Danny DeVito's like so good <laughs> in it. Like Oh fuck. Cuz he's like half like I don't know. People are kind of half amused by the stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, ah, fuck, I, Tony Clifton is a concept, is a character, mm-hmm. like, is, is so amazing to me. Like, it's mm-hmm. it's so goddamn good. Like, he's just like the, the shitty lounge comedian. And he, mm-hmm. but it's like, yeah, like, if once you get that makeup on, I'm pretty sure like anybody could transform into that guy. <laughs> Like really easily because it's like suddenly mm-hmm. you're like behind a mask and it's like, who gives a shit? I can say whatever I want because everyone will be like, oh, that guy, he says all the worst things and people expect it. And then you can be start becoming really honest and mm-hmm. uh, brutally honest. Uh, so, so like yeah. you said, it was it was a freeing experience for him. Yeah. Because he could just do – because that's what Andrew was saying too. She's like, I don't know if he's method acting or if he's just like, I can do whatever I fucking feel like and I can just say that I'm method acting. I was like, I, it might be that. I don't know. But uh, he's definitely having fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else? Yeah. You know, like, yeah, I was just thinking, like, with yeah, Man on the Moon, too. Like, that's just one of those movies that uh, just, like, the relationship of, like, Andy Kaufman and Bob uh, Zabuda, they, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, it works really well. Uh, it's, like, that's, like, mm-hmm. a lot of great collaborations come about that way. Uh, not this one. Not this one. Hell no. <laughs> Um, yeah. but yeah, so yeah, this was, I think it's really interesting. It's like all that uh, footage of like young Jim Carrey and you realize mm-hmm. like how that stuff hasn't aged well at all. <laughs> that, yeah. The physical stuff, uh, it got mm-hmm. him, it got him successful to a certain or to a quite a large degree, mm-hmm. but, um, yeah, no, that, that was interesting. And then just seeing like him now, <laughs> Big, uh, big Jesus beard carry. And like, I mean, because like basically it ends with like the only footage you really see of his like post 2000s career is Eternal Sunshine. Like you don't mm-hmm. see anything else. You don't see like uh, all the kind of failures and weirdness, like the majestic and stuff like that. Not, like, yeah. None of that gets, which is outside the scope of this because it's a making mm-hmm. of, of 
this particular movie. But I was kind of like, oh, I'd be interested to hear what else he had to say about, like, the rest of his career and, like, how things have gone. And, like, how, like, he's in stuff now and nobody talks about it. Like, he became, like, just a guy. Like, number 23. (laughs) Like, no one one remembers that. Or, like, I love you, Phil Morris. Like, there's all these weird movies that you're like, oh, yeah, Jim Carrey was in that. But, like, nobody cares and like if he mm-hmm. and now he's just like in the headlines because like his like girlfriend killed herself and now his family's like shaking him down he says and all this stuff like that he's in uh we're making his crappy paintings and uh <laughs> i don't know the, the other thing too that uh chanel kind of mentioned is that like jim carried he's not a very deep person as a like a lot of the stuff he's talking about mm-hmm. in this documentary it's pretty yeah. like Oh, like this isn't really thoughtful stuff. This is stuff that everybody thinks yeah. about, but I don't know. It's kind of like the vapidity of like a lot of actors when they're like mm-hmm. just like talking. It's interesting, I guess, but mm-hmm. he seems like he's way too old to be having these sort of like thoughts. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's funny. Andrea said the same thing, and I was like, well, I was like, he did drop out of school in grade eight, so I was like, maybe he's like only coming to these ideas now because he wasn't like in that high school philosophy class where they're like no. what is life I mean, these are like things that like i don't know you you, you maybe think about you pick up at, at like coffee shops in your 20s and stuff like that uh and you, I don't, whatever it's just it's just funny to listen entertaining to like, millions that's right to have those thoughts yeah they didn't really talk about the riddler i noticed ah that's a good show i like that movie yeah that 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 was like probably one of the biggest movies he was a part of oh yeah Bo show dog but yeah. uh yeah but yeah, no, I, I, I like i liked it because um mm-hmm. i i, I it i like the all the material involved mm-hmm. i don't know if it's like the best documentary that could have been made about it um i mean because basically they just talk about jim carrey too like that's all yeah. that's that's their sole focus is like the the only mm-hmm. uh contemporary footage is of the talking head is him there's no other interviews with like anyone now um <laughs> uh, which I don't know. It's fine. It's an interesting approach too, because like basically the only stuff you see is from 1998, and uh, with him talking about what was going on in his mind now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so fun, good, cool stuff, eh? Dug it. Um, yeah. So other than that, uh, I watched a couple black exploitation movies. I watched another uh, Jim Brown movie, Slaughter. Downtown uh, Jimmy Brown. Yep. And uh, his and slaughter is like it's on the cusp of being like not very interesting. Uh, like it, it does not live up to its title. No, <laughs> like, there's not enough slaughtering. Uh, but yeah, Jim Brown plays a like a detective named Slaughter, and you know nice. he's just fighting honkies. Uh, in this in this particular occasion, he is taking on the the mob that's re- operating out of Mexico. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like, uh, headed up by some Italian dude. And then like his right hand man is played by Rip Torn. Oh, uh, neat. and it's like 1972 Rip Torn where it's like, mm-hmm. you can barely recognize him. Like he just, he looks so much younger, even though he's like, he looks old and worn down even then. Mm-hmm. But, uh, he's like definitely quite skinny compared to like the Rip Torn of like the Larry Sanders show, uh, yep. where it's like, that's classic Rip Torn. But, uh, he's like the highlight in, cause he is just like, unrepentantly racist and vile and just nice so he's whenever he's around like he's great because like he's just like he hates like jim brown in this movie and uh <clears throat> mm-hmm. like the character at least i'm sure he was cool if jim brown is a man but uh yeah he like yeah. he's he's great uh he's like that's the highlight of it everything else is just like stock 
like it's like weird because he shot this movie down in Mexico because they got a location. It's like it's like a, almost like a James Bond spy movie, but without any mm-hmm. scape or like any like sense of scale or um, effects or like sequences. It's just like him wandering around, and then a car tries to run him down, and you're like, that car's not going to catch Jim Brown. He's mm-hmm. going to run that car, and then and then eventually there's like a big shootout at the end, and that's fine. The ending's like hilarious <laughs> with. Uh, spoilers uh rip torn gets like pinned underneath his car and like but he's like playing it like he's concussed and messed up and like jim brown walks over to him and he's like get me out of here get me out of here n-word and uh and he's like did who killed my family oh i did uh um that's one thing i'm good at get me out of here get me out of here and it's just like oh and, and he's and he's just you know lights lights him up and burns him alive and it's like yep that's you shouldn't have said those things mr torn those are all the things that will get you dead so it's like hilarious um it's just i don't know it's fine but like mm-hmm. if you took rip torn out of it it's like totally skippable um yeah. and then i watched a western uh called the legend of n-word charlie and RJ, uh, wait what was the title the legend of n-word charlie Mm, I don't mm. think I fully understand. Yeah. Well, uh, you should watch the movie, and then, like, over the course of the movie, you'll <laughs> notice this word pops up an awful lot. Uh, so this is how story- frequent are we talking? Like Quentin Tarantino levels? Well, this is uh, definitely an inspiration for Django Unchained, RJ. Ah, I see. Yep. Uh, it's about a fella named Charlie, and uh, mm-hmm. his master back in olden times has freed him, and uh, yeah. of course. The, the dying master, his son does not like this very much and decides, whatever, I'll just tear up this piece of paper saying that you're a free man and I'm going to slave mm-hmm. you back into slavery. Um, and Charlie doesn't take kindly to this. He murders him uh, or kills him, depending on if you def- decide uh, whether or not uh, racist plantation owners is uh, wrongfully killing them or not. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe. Uh, and then so him, Charlie, and a couple of other guys, they escape from the plantation, go on the run. They're being chased down by some um, – uh, like bounty hunters that just like to kill mm. black people. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like so there's like a big long extended sequence of them being chased and it like doesn't go anywhere other than they <laughs> they're free they're they're escaped and they get to a town and then of course nice. like you get the the town just people just staring at them <laughs> and they decide to like they're gonna take their, make this is gonna be their last stand kind of thing. Uh, the bounty hunter folks show up uh, shootout. They are victorious. They beat back the bounty hunter guys and they kind of like wind up guarding this like farmer's house that's like being attacked by bandits. And then things turn mm. very Seven Samurai ish. How so? Because these these bandits are attacking this farmhouse. And then there's like, there's not oh. seven, but there's five of these guys now. And they're having to defend it against like 30 people attacking. Mm-hmm. It's, it's yeah, it's uh, like the Magnificent Seven, Seven Samurai type of dynamic. So that's like the last third of the movie. Uh, this movie, for whatever reason, RJ, uh, Paramount owns, but they don't really like make it available at all. So I was watching like a scummy old like VHS tape rip of it. Um, mm-hmm. The sequel to this movie... Uh, which is the soul of N-word Charlie. Uh, it's like, it looks, mm-hmm. it looks even worse 
than yeah. this. Like it, it's like looks like pretty well unwatchable. It's like they filmed it off of a projected screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I don't know how that's going to go down if I uh, get to it. And then there's the third part of the trilogy, uh, Boss N Word, um, which is where I believe Charlie and uh, his buddy uh, Derville Martin they they come and become sheriffs of the small town, and uh, and, and, and times are had. I have that movie on my watch list. I had no idea it was the third of a trilogy. Yes, the boss one. Yes, huh? The boss well, one. You you watch it. Let me know if it's uh if it's worth checking out. We'll see. I don't know. Like I said, we'll see. Uh, yeah, it, these movies always have some sort of uh, uh, they have a consistency in how they look and stuff like that. The way they were <laughs> shot and produced, like they're all cheap and stuff like that. But they always mm-hmm. have like you always hope for some like thrills or some strange image or something that you've never heard before. So I've got two more to go. We'll see how that goes. Uh, mm-hmm. Then I checked out a couple other movies. Um, listening to a podcast, they're doing an interview with this Adam Rifkin guy. Oh, yes. Yeah. I know that guy. Yeah. The writer of Small Soldiers, one of your all one of my favorite movies. Hopefully um, a Criterion one day. Mm-hmm. That's on my wish list. Downvote. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I watched this movie called <clears throat> The Dark Backward, which had been actually on like a like a watch list of mine for a long time, but then I kind of forgot about it. And then they were talking about it, and I'm like, wait a minute. I, I remember this movie, and like I haven't seen it yet. I, I should really watch it because uh, – mm-hmm. so this is the movie The Dark Backward starring uh, Judd Nelson uh, playing this – greasy creepy dude kind of a la um oh what's his name uh neil hamburger that's the only way he, like visually he looks exactly like neil hamburger but personality mm-hmm. wise he's like he's like a nebish like like kind of uh introvert guy who wants to be a stand-up comic um and his best buddy is played by your favorite actor bill paxton who is just oh, this, that like, nerd this like loud obnoxious garbage man they're both of course he they're, is. they're both garbage men in this like uh-huh. I don't know what kind of world you would describe it as. Like, it's not apocalyptic, but it's like mm-hmm. the like it's just a world of garbage. Uh, mm-hmm. Like, you walk down alleys, and it's just like knee high piles of garbage everywhere, and they're garbage men, and like they just like nice. aim, they just can't walk back and forth up these massive like uh, inner city alleys cleaning up the garbage. Uh, everyone's old pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, like when they go to this. Uh, particular uh, nightclub that has like a stand-up mic thing uh, like everyone in it's like 50 plus and like hardened alcoholics uh, this movie just like exists under like perpetual like neon lights so everything is green blue purple red brown like 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 a pretty to- toxic oh no it's all like it looks great yeah. um like it's very uh much a there's this period of time, and I created a list about this. I think I called it the filth zone of like these movies that came out, like kind of post trauma movies and um, other stuff where like they're super saturated, but they're also like really gross and filthy, disgusting movies set in like just kind of like mm-hmm. these like almost like post industrial dystopic lands. Uh, and they always have a kind of like a campiness to their, their performances and to the characters. Uh, this movie slides right into that. And I love mm-hmm. these types of movies. Uh, like I can totally understand why a lot of people would like hate this stuff. Cause it's so stylized, but here like it's yeah. like so perfect. Um, so what happens is yeah, the Judd Nelson, his character, uh, he sucks at being a stand-up. All this like comedy. It's like that super dry, like not even jokes sort of delivery, mm-hmm. um, and it does not work at all in this world. But uh, and then one day, uh, uh, he has this like zit that starts growing out of his back, and that Ugh. zit turns into a like a child's hand. 
and then it turns okay. into a man's arm. And now he has like a full on man's arm growing out of his back. Um, Bill Paxton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like Bill Paxton just sees this as an opportunity. Uh, they, he gets a talent agent played by Wayne Newton, the man himself. Uh, mm-hmm. and he's just like a talent agent that doesn't see anything in the comedy, but he sees something in this, these three arms. Um, mm-hmm. Judd Nelson's girlfriend, played by Lara Flynn Boyle. She's like a waitress in this world. Uh, what else is happening in this goddamn thing? Oh, there's a scene that, like, they never go back to, but it's like they go to the garbage dump to go dump off the stuff in the back of their truck. And, like, while Judd Nelson's off looking around somewhere, uh, Bill Paxton's character finds a dead woman's body buried under all this garbage and mm-hmm. you wouldn't you think oh he's gonna be like oh man you think this is like gonna be the rest of the movie like it's gonna be about what happened to this like dead woman nope he just like starts to like kind of paw the garbage off of this woman and he just starts like licking her her breasts and like just licking her and snorting away and then like he hears judd nelson's character coming back and he goes oh geez oh and he kind of like covers the body up again and then they never go back to this at all. It is completely dropped. Um, <laughs> it is just like, what the fuck? <laughs> Do you I, think that was intentional? or? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. Like, th- okay. I think they just added it to show you that this guy is like a bad dude, even though he's like a super enthusiastic. Uh, he's a super enthusiastic friend, but he's like clearly yeah. like a simpleton, but he's also like a vile human being. And that like nice. sets up the fact that he's horrible. There's these scenes where uh, like it's all Bill Paxton. And it seems like depending on what you, how you find Bill Paxton, uh, will decide if you like this movie or not. Ugh. Because if you love Bill Paxton, he is so good in this. Uh, like, there's a scene with him just, like, having this, like, Plato's Retreat sort of thing with these, like, three really big ladies. And he's just, like, eating grapes and eating this, like, fucking shit with them and rolling around. It's just like, man... <laughs> What what is what who came up with this idea in this movie? But it works. Mm-hmm. It totally works. Uh, yeah. So like this movie, uh, I liked it a lot. It's definitely not for everybody. It's like a total. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess you call it a cult classic. Um, because it's like either you're going to be totally in on it or you're not going to. And it sounds like when this yeah. movie came out, people like either loved it or hated it. And most people probably would be like, Ugh, this movie's like pointless. And it kind of is, mm-hmm. but that's okay. Movies should be allowed to be pointless. Um, and, but yeah, the, the movie looks great. It kind of fits into like that world of like movies like Street Trash, um, uh, Freaked, uh, stuff like that, where. I don't know, very like late late 80s, early 90s kind of filmmaking uh, where it's like these movies would come Mm. out out of nowhere and just look great. And uh, I don't know. I liked it a lot. It was a total – I'm glad I heard about this movie again. Mm. And then I watched a movie. Sounds horrible. Yeah. I I, I don't think I would recommend it to you, RJ, because you're not – you're you're anti-Bill Paxton and you're wrong, but that's okay. Yeah, he stinks. What else you watch? Crazy. Uh, I watched The Rift – uh, I've heard of this from somewhere. I don't remember where, though. It was on the same podcast over on that channel. Uh, yeah. Is this a new movie? No, no, no. Okay. This is from 1990. Yeah, uh, Lay it on me. So this was directed by J.P. Simon, uh, Jean Picard Simon, director of Pieces, Slugs, mm-hmm. Cthulhu Mansion. Uh, so this is a kind of like... Uh, after the abyss came out, it seemed like a bunch of other studios started pumping out these like undersea mm-hmm. adventure movies where it's like a like undersea horror movies. There was like the Leviathan, um, 
and the rift and there's like another one like lord so the lord of the deep or something like that mm-hmm. uh i wanted to watch this i got it for like super cheap some like random website had a, like had this for like five bucks on blu-ray so i was like well whatever blind buy it five bucks i like that director mm-hmm. so i checked it out uh it stars a bunch of nobodies but it does have uh l uh what's his name arlie emery uh, shouty man from Full Metal Jacket who likes to call people cocksucker. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's in this. He doesn't really get a rip into anyone too much. Uh, Leland Palmer is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's cool. Uh, and then it's just a movie about people going underwater to find a submarine that sank with its with its sister submarine. Uh, the designer of the submarine is on there, and he's angry about how the government has changed uh, the schematics and made it less efficient. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyways, they go down there. They get down to the rift at the bottom of the ocean. Uh, they find this like weird kind of underground cavern that has like a pocket of water in it still. It somehow mm-hmm. did not fill with ocean water. And you get the scene with them like going around trying to find out what happened to the submarine. What's going <laughs> on in this like underwater research facility built into this rift that we just discovered. And then sea monster things come out and attack people. Nice. And that part's cool. Uh, mm-hmm. This movie is... Eh, nothing special. The yeah. uh, the effects are like okay, but there's like definitely not near enough effects to like justify it. Um, strangely enough, I actually I think I prefer this to Leviathan, which I think has like had more of a budget and is like a, probably a better made movie. But mm-hmm. I don't remember liking anything about it. Whereas the Rift, I'm like at least like kind of like the squirty effects and like people just dissolving and melting and stuff like that. Uh, so that stuff was okay, but yeah, this movie is nothing special. Well, that's yep. too bad. Can't win them all. Uh, Can't win them all. Last movie I will mention that I watched because I watched this last mm-hmm. night uh, <gasps> was Brigsby Bear. Oh, for real? Yeah. Shit, I was going to watch that this week too. Well, I... But I didn't. I, yeah, this so this movie, I, back when I was on the festival circuit, I had seen it popping mm-hmm. up and I was like, that's an interesting poster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and yeah, so... Uh, I think Josh Frazier watched it just the other day and never said, you know what? God damn it. I better watch it now too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, Brigsby Bear. It's the, what's the Lonely Island dudes? Is that yeah. what they're called? Yeah, Andy Samberg yeah. and, uh, you know, the other two. Mm-hmm. No one knows the other two. Well, this one stars the other two. The other one, two? Of, one of the other two. Oh, okay. And then like, um, yeah, Samberg. He, she has a brief appearance in this one. Very minor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Cause like this was like that was like pop star was them too right yeah 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 that one was them too but that one I I think they've made better stuff than uh, that pop star mm. I haven't watched too much anyway I haven't watched too much of their stuff I'm not into yeah. their their rap stuff I that like, yeah that stuff is like whatever but this just on the yeah. content level wise like it was uh, right up my alley mm-hmm. uh, so I mean like the trailer pretty well spoils like the big. I guess thing that happens at the beginning of the movie. Uh, but what happens is you start off with this guy, it's kind of geeky looking dude, mm-hmm. kind of a Napoleon dynamite. Uh, he lives in this like complex in the desert with his dad, Mark Hamill, uh, and Joyce from, or joy from the movie happiness. One of your favorites. Okay. Uh, oh. they're, uh, just like uh. living life out in the middle of this complex. And this guy's really into this, like, uh, kind of Teddy Ruxpin-ish kind of like bear named Brigsby mm-hmm. Bear. I guess it's, Teddy Ruxpin was a straight-up cartoon. This is like the costumes are reminiscent of that uh, Walt Disney live-action Winnie the Pooh 
TV show if that mm-hmm. if that was on the air when you were a child? Kind no. Of, no. I don't I don't recall such a thing, but okay. uh, maybe but, if I saw it. Yeah, but it's just like kind of like Barney or whatever. It's just like big yeah. big costumes and stuff like that. Totally inane storylines that make no sense. But mm-hmm. this guy, this fella, he's really into Brigsby Bear and like all he talks about is Brigsby Bear. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has, he talks about it with his parents, and his parents like kind of talk to him about it. His dad seems to be pretty into it. His mom seems to be barely able to stand it. Um, but yep. then uh, one night the police arrive, and they they take him away. And that's when mm-hmm. you re- when you learn that he has been kidnapped by these people since he was a baby, and he was raised by them for the last twenty five years. Huh. <laughs> and. Uh, the rest of the movie kind of just plays out from there uh, of him adjusting back to life. But it's mm-hmm. like, so it's like the room or sorry, room. Yeah. Anti room. Uh, yeah. It's like the, it's like uh, uh indie quirky room mm. where it's like the stakes. You, there's no like danger. There's like, yeah, he, he lived like a pretty okay life. It was just kind of like, these people are kind of just deranged. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, they, they provided him and mm-hmm. well and but so you get to find out about all the strange things that he thinks and believes and him working through those things but also kind of like i don't know this movie's got some nice stuff going for it uh hmm. just about like kind of like nostalgia and uh how people engage with nostalgia and like their childhoods and stuff like that and like the, the role that like kind of fandom maybe even plays in regards to like creative endeavors uh, mm-hmm. like you could, I, I kept thinking about this movie and just like fan films. Uh, and like, I don't know. I think it's really interesting that Mark Hamill was cast as this, uh, as, as the mm-hmm. figure, as the father figure who was creating all this stuff, considering, I guess, Mark Hamill's, I mean, father in some senses is George Lucas, because no one would mm-hmm. know about Mark Hamill if it wasn't for George Lucas. And just like how people's like nostalgia for Star Wars seems to be almost mm-hmm. crippling. You could say, yeah, oh yeah, uh, and so like this, like I had that my, on my mind while I was watching it, so I thought that was interesting. Uh, it works. Uh, I think this will probably be the best movie that Mark Hamill's in this year. Um, mm-hmm. So that's good. Uh, it's Wait like, a minute, uh, what other movie is he in this year? <laughs> that would be the Star Wars, RJ. The Star Wars. Yeah, is that like an old man like who's getting kids or toys for his kids or like grandkids? You got any of those the Star Wars toys? Well, my R- kid loves these. RJ, were you not aware that when Star Wars first came out, it was simply known as the Star Wars? The Star Wars, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Like you're that yeah. old ass man, you know who, who, the Star Wars. Mom, before it was Episode Four. <sighs> <sighs> Don't anyway, so the movie's like not without like it's okay. It's like I mean, I probably have the same kind of like uh, problems in the sense that like, I probably that you had with mm-hmm. like Ghost Story, where like not sure. everything snapped into place for you. There's like a certain. Uh, it, I, I found that this story just kind of fell short of like being a totally full experience. But it's got some really yep. good stuff to it. Uh, like the production design is like awesome. Like just like all the costumes and stuff like that, and all the like they made it really feel authentic. Um, the character beats feel very because it's like the anti room. Uh, it's a very mm-hmm. soft movie. It doesn't really have a lot of edge to it. Um, mm-hmm. But there's like a certain moments to it that are kind of moving. Uh, and you can see the sweet footage uh, as 
as our our lead makes the movie, the movie mm-hmm. of Brigsby Bear. Uh, we get a sweet uh, cameo uh, by a great comedian who I won't spoil. I'll, I'll, <laughs> Jackie Gleason? Yeah, Jackie Gleason's back. Um, yeah. but I'll, you'll, 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 you'll watch it. Moon. You'll watch it and you'll see. Um, okay. Because I didn't know that was coming. But yeah, no, uh, nice. Brigsby Bear was good. A, a nice movie. Hmm. It's a hot recommend. Yeah. Um, JFD. Yeah. Watch it however you can watch it, I guess. Yeah, I was going to uh, this week and I didn't. Maybe next week. Right. How's that for some action? Um, that's sweet action. Yes. Like <laughs> so, I guess. I mean, I was th- I was thinking about it now. I guess for me, so going back, thinking about Ghost Story a little while mm-hmm. longer. Uh, sure. I guess like for me, like the thing that defines that movie is just its visuals, like it, the look of that movie. Oh yeah, I still yeah, think, it looks I, great. I, I think about that movie like quite a bit still it's been a couple mm-hmm. weeks since i watched it and i just keep thinking about like how beautiful that movie is which is why i think like any problems with like the story or plot just like doesn't matter because i'm like yeah, it's not really about that anyway uh, it's about it's about getting to the visuals um yep. like i think th- there's like the scene where it's like it, it turns into a, a western for like a period mm-hmm. of time uh and like you get that like the the payoff to that is like really like whoa mm-hmm. <laughs> like it's grim and kind of like uh, yep. it's a nice poetic image and that's about all I can hope for in a lot of movies I'd I'd rather take that than like plot heavy like mm-hmm. story driven stuff I'd rather just like have wow look at that that looks great I agree with you I think the movie does look mm-hmm. great and that like, is yeah. a lot of the time that is what uh, I look for you know what maybe. Uh, Andrea has the same effect as me, the same poison as when I see movies with you. And uh, her, not distaste, but her uh, unimpressed attitude with the movie, maybe it rubbed off on me. You know, so. <laughs> I when you when I saw what you gave Ghost Story, I, my first thought was, I bet she watched it with Andrea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, see, uh, see, this is why I can't do anything in life, Jared, because the two people I watch movies with are poison. And <laughs> and see, when, when Nas- I was by, nasty, nasty people, nasty people, when I was by myself, I was watching all time bangers like she wolves of the wasteland and all everything was good. Everything was nice. Mm-hmm. And now this is it's back to this. Yeah. I'll either watch movies with her It'll, or I'll watch movies with you. Yeah. And I can't win either way. Can't win. Um yeah. And there's like that final moment in Ghost Story is so good. Yeah, I do like that. Yeah. It's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a good show. Sweet. Hey, that's enough creeping. Yep. Any any news you want to share with us? Uh my only news is that uh the Justice League movie came out to mass hysteria. <laughs> uh the uh Rotten Tomatoes score was delayed. Uh, oh, for some, which doesn't even make sense oh, because do you not, do you it was delayed two days. Like it still came out the day of the release. So like, what was the point? Oh, the day before, but yeah. Did you read the, uh, the, the, the conspiracies? Oh, I, I've heard the conspiracies and that's fine. That <laughs> might be true. Who cares? Well, in case our read our, but, our listeners haven't yeah, heard. Yeah, you film in. Oh yeah. So I, some writer over at Marvel talked about like how, and this is like something that doesn't get brought up quite a lot is that Rotten Tomatoes at the end of the day is actually owned by Time Warner. Which, yeah, which is it, Warner Brothers, right? Yeah, right. And so it's a subsidiary of this like parent company. And they decided like apparently out of recently that, hey, we're going to do a big reveal for Justice League's Rotten Tomatoes. Like, yep. and they, they, they promoted it, which is like not a way of burying something, but like almost bringing attention <laughs> yeah. to it. But mm-hmm. instead of like, 
putting up this thing on a Tuesday, which is when critics run to the world premiere and stuff like that. And this isn't unusual. Movies always have like embargoes, unless it's Marvel mm-hmm. stuff. But like with the Marvel stuff, they usually release like internationally before they do North America, like a week mm-hmm. early. So the like, reviews are going to be up. Um, but they did this kind of quirky thing where they, they, if you went to the Rotten Tomatoes website, there was no rating and you had to click on it and it's like, hey, if you want to see the yep. rating for it, you have to go to this other website called like See It or Skip It. And this is like yeah. all new. This is like apparently either has been around for a while and no one paid attention because no one gives a crap or mm-hmm. they just or has a special attention because it was Justice League and people are waiting for this movie to fail. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, there is this aspect where you're like, of course, like the guy's like, well, this movie, they could, this could be used against Marvel movies, even though it's like, <laughs> well, really? Like, well, obviously it's not working. Like Rotten Tomatoes yeah. isn't conspiring against Marvel movies. Like that's clearly <laughs> yeah. not the case. Uh, Cause if they started doing that in any overt way, it would like out them and then people would just stop using their site. Um, mm-hmm. And honestly, people should stop using Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a piece of shit that doesn't tell you anything. Um, mm-hmm. Like if you want to use like an aggregate, use Metacritic. It, it, it actually yep. qualifies the reviews rather than quantifies mm-hmm. where it's like if you give a movie four out of ten, you might as well give it zero out of ten. Like yep. or, or one out of ten. Like it, it reads it the exact same way. It's, it's mm-hmm. very um, polarizing. Like literally like it, it's mm-hmm. one or the other binary uh so Rotten Tomatoes is crap and people mm-hmm. shouldn't rely on it at all you should just go mm-hmm. see movies if you want to see it uh let trailers I guess guide your way or synopses or your favorite critics maybe yeah I don't know but so anyways so yeah I think what you said is the best example where it's like if that was if the conspiracy was true it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been this great big reveal to be like oh yeah it's a twenty percent or something but like that. I, I guess the, bum, th- the bum, thought bum, was that it was burying it. It was making it harder to find it without like going through a couple yeah, of extra I know, loops. I, I, yeah, uh, I understand, but yeah. I, I think that's a bit of a stretch. Yeah. But anyway, so the movie did came out. Did came out. That's English. The movie came out, and uh, it didn't do well. It uh, made ninety three million dollars only. Only, and, uh, how, only. And how much did it make internationally? Uh, I don't know, actually. Yeah, it only it made ninety million uh, domestically, which seems pretty good. Uh, the budget was three hundred million. Well, so, RJ, uh, as of to yesterday, I guess when they last brought uh-huh. in the amounts uh, worldwide, it has made two hundred and eighty-six million. That's with so everything. It's, it's almost made back its main production cost. And yeah. then uh, everything this coming up weekend will be marketing mm-hmm. probably. Yeah. So, so like it's not, maybe not the wild success they wanted it to be, but it, it didn't lose money. So that's good. Not yet at least. Um, I, I think what you said, uh, we've talked about this before with the BVS and this isn't a comic book podcast or anything like that. I just think it's a really interesting, like look at cinema and fandom and culture right now. Because, like, we've talked about it before. It's like these Marvel movies, like, I watch a lot of those. Some of them aren't good. But some of them have, like, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm-hmm. And they make hundreds of millions of dollars. And all people can talk about is that stuff. And then when Batman v Superman came out, I honest to God heard a girl who was under 20 uh, talking to her grandparents in a breakfast facil- place in Lethbridge. Talking to her grandparents about how the editing and uh, pacing in Batman v Superman wasn't very good. And this was uh, like three days after it came out. And I just wanted to turn around to her and be like, where the fuck did you go to film school that you understand like film editing and like shit like this? It's like, 
Because it just, like, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, you're just fucking repeating all the same bullshit. Everyone is saying that they read from one fucking review on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's like, you're, it's like, if that's, maybe it's true. Maybe Rotten Tomatoes is killing fucking cinema. Because it's like, people just see all these reviews and they're like, oh, this is what my opinion is, I guess. So anyways, you've you've heard. I would go one step further and say, uh, social media is killing society. Yeah. Social media and the internet is fucking killing society and it's horseshit <laughs> because I've mentioned a lot of times that uh, the ultimate cut or whatever, or uh, what was it? The rage edition, oh. <laughs> the uh, Zack Snyder cut of BVS is actually pretty good. So, um, so there's a lot of con- controversy about this movie already. Uh, people already wanted to hate it before it came out, which is not nothing new for DC. Uh, and then, like everyone knows we talked about on here when Zack Snyder left the movie for uh, personal reasons, which is totally fair. And then uh, Joss Whedon fucking apparently reshot like almost half of this movie. Mm. Uh, And people don't like that. And now is there that now that the movie came out and it has bad ratings, CGI upper lips, CGI upper lips, uh, the uh, mustache fiasco of 2017 with Henry Cavill, which we also discussed on the show. We did. Um, yeah, this, this movie has a rich history. That's what, that's why we have to talk about it. It's a tapestry. It's yeah. Uh, so people well, you are know what's saying, funny though, RJ is you didn't even go see your movie by your so, boy. So here, here's the thing. I'm going to put you in your place cause you're salty as fuck. These movies need, uh, returns on the second weekend. So I feel it's my duty as a fan to help them out on their second weekend, you know, because th- those opening weekends, they're going to do good. It's those second weekends that take the, d- the dives. And uh, to be very honest, Jerry, I was going to go tonight, but I had to cancel because I had to do the podcast. Well, if we, wrap, I hey, if we wrap up soon enough, maybe you'll still go. Maybe mm-hmm. I will. But uh, my point was I took a priority. I tried to make time for the podcast, you know. I tried, man. Mm-hmm. I'm giving my time. I might be not giving money on Patreon, but I'm trying to give my best. Yeah. And I think the fans appreciate that. Good. Great. The three that we have. Anyways, so uh, people are saying Joss Whedon reshot so much of the movie. It's not even what it was. And there was that big thing about how Warner Brothers executives mandated that it be under two hours. Uh, like it had to be, which seems true, actually. Hmm. And uh I don't know. There's a petition out now to get the Zack Snyder cut, which I don't even know. Like, I don't know, know if he even finished the film because he no. left it like a year ago. Yeah, uh, not a year, but earlier this year, um, yeah. like March or something. Yeah. So, like, I don't know if it was they were already done principal photography. If it needed reshoots, anyways, doesn't really matter. Like, yeah. I don't know if he would have, like, what he had would have even been a full movie. But uh, apparently the big news today was that uh, the cinematographer on the film has signed the petition for the Zack Snyder cut. And uh, Jason Momoa, Aquaman, your buddy, uh, he is going on saying that he's really bummed out. uh, And he's talking about how there was a significant amount of material cut from what uh, people are actually seeing. Oh, man. It's uh, stoking the fire a little bit. So he's kind of a – he's a – Snyder truther for himself. He is. He he's talking about how uh, Zack Snyder shot some really good stuff. And, uh, <laughs> he's seen it. He's, never be he's seen. like, yeah, I've heard he shot some really good stuff. <laughs> yeah, like, but you did it. Oh, anyway, yeah. cool, cool. Can't wait to hear you talk about it next week, RJ. Yeah. 
I will talk about the movie next week. You'll have my uh, my hot, fresh take. <sighs> Great. You, you're you interested, even if you don't want to admit it. I, I thought about going this weekend on a matinee. I thought yeah. about it, but I just was like, you know what? I got other things I'd rather watch that like yeah. that matter to me. No, you don't. <laughs> I do. Nobody cares about Bill Paxton. Oh, take that back. What if Bill Paxton was in Justice League? That would be weird because he's dead. Oh, well, you can film a corpse. <laughs> huh. Hey, do we have any movie to talk about this episode? We, we sure do. Uh, and after the break... And the cutest little kid you've ever seen. It's a social interaction, like saying good morning, but it also shows a kind of prowess because every time one of them successfully farts, part of the ritual is to swing their arms victoriously, and when the boy can't do it, he can't do it. So the thing is that there's a way in which human communication is downgraded by being compared to farting. The scene of Mr. Kozo and his wife thinking she's being called every time he farts. Is really, I think, the scene Ozu needed to cement this parallel between spoken language and farting. That there's the case where she's actually mistaking his farts for speech. Nani. The farts in the movie are not, I would say, completely real farts. They're tuned farts, they're kind of tone farts, they have different registers. Adults fart differently from kids, and different kids fart differently. There's a little suite of different sounds that farts make in the movie, and that's clearly for fun. I mean, that's clearly part of the artifice of the movie. The other thing that's interesting about this comparison of farting with ordinary, casual conversation is that even boys can use meaningless phrases. Of course, madam. I love you. Bacane. When I think of the youngest boy saying, I love you, under all circumstances, it just seems to be like the appropriate thing he'll say. He's really as much a victim of the emptiness of language as anybody, because he doesn't know what that means, really. He says it as, hello, goodbye, I like you, whatever. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight, we're talking about 
Good Morning, from 1959, directed by Yasujiro Ozu. The synopsis from Letterboxd reads, Two boys beg their parents for a television set, nagging them until all patience is lost. The parents order the boys to be quiet, and the boys do exactly that, refusing to utter a word. The boys' silence ultimately puts the whole neighborhood into turmoil. Mm. That pretty well sums it up, I think. I think so. It doesn't, uh, it kind of, it really glosses over what this movie is really A lot of dynamics. <laughs> yeah. But it's like on paper, that's kind of what this movie is. And that I think yeah. is like kind of the the thing about Ozu. So, RJ, Ozu is yep. one of those guys who people just get a call by his last name because mm-hmm. he's kind of a one-of-a-kind director. He's in that upper echelons of like big name directors in the kind of art house criterion um uh, oeuvre, however you want to put that. Uh, mm-hmm. But Ozu probably is also one of the m- least watched of the like oeuvre directors of that those types of guys. Because I only mm-hmm. got around to watching uh, the big Ozu movies in the last year or two. Um, because on paper, when you read what these Ozu movies are about, you're kind of like, oh, that's it, huh? And then you're just like, yeah, mm-hmm. I'd rather go watch uh, a samurai movie. Or I'd rather watch... I don't know, a whole heck of a lot of other things that are like jazzy and sound sexy and have like a, mm, a real like, I don't know, something like novel about them. This just sounds like okay. a, uh, what people would call a, a home drama. And that's kind of like what Ozu is all about. Because yeah. Ozu, RJ, and I'm assuming mm-hmm. this is the first Ozu movie that you've ever watched? I think I've seen almost all of them. Oh, well, oh yeah. what, what, yeah. am, what am I doing? Talking why, why, about why don't it? I take it from here? Why don't you take it from here, oh. RJ? Oh, uh, Ozu is the guy. Uh, he is famous for his uh, Greek alcoholic beverage. Um, is that Uzo? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, this is the first one I've ever seen. Okay. Yep. Um, so I've I've seen about. Four, three, three of his feature films, and okay. uh, on the Blu-ray, uh, it actually has uh, one short film and one of his like early uh, silent, or not early, but like one of his early sh- uh, feature-length films that was also silent because Ozu did not embrace sound uh, as early mm-hmm. as other people. He waited to like almost like the late 30s before he started doing sound movies. Um, he's a kind of an unusual cat. Uh, as we'll talk about some of the ways he, like the particular ways that he makes movies. It's kind of like how mm-hmm. his name is, uh, a, a household name in Criterion Collector circles. Iconic? Uh, I don't know, but I, I don't even know if I call it that. We'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more. So, okay. Uh, Good Morning had been on my radar for a while. Um, I, I've, I've talked to a few other people that, I, that I'm buddies with uh, about their Ozoom watching, and both of them have actually regarded Good Morning as one of their favorite Ozus. Uh, uh, for me, I've seen Tokyo Story uh, and then uh, Late Spring, and mm-hmm. uh, Tokyo Story is like often regarded as like one of the greatest films ever made uh, mm-hmm. by, by directors, by like, actual filmmakers. They say it's like like the one of the best i believe mm-hmm. like this was it was that sight and sound magazine 2012 it was like the number one film for directors it's like greatest movie of all time uh and i've seen tokyo story tokyo story tokyo story tokyo story is pretty fantastic rj and it lives up yeah. to its hype uh it's future late, creep it is uh yep. getting way down the pet road uh late spring i've seen that movie is also like pretty damn amazing 
Mm-hmm. Uh, good morning. Uh, I think is pretty good. I mm-hmm. wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's as good as those other two movies. Um, but it's also because maybe because it's a comedy. Which is, yes, it is which is interesting because it's like he's not really known for his comedies, even though I guess like I mean there's an entire eclipse uh series of just his like family comedies. And uh hmm, weird. I don't know. It's just in in my mind there's a certain like uh seriousness or kind of um I don't know what you call it. A serenity sexy? A, 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 yeah. No, the opposite <laughs> of that. Uh there's like a, a I don't know. I don't think Ozu, I don't think comedy, even though he actually made quite a few of them. And this is one of those. Um, And yeah, so this movie, like, I don't know, it's the first time I've seen this movie. Uh, But I, I mean, I liked it. I definitely liked it Mm -hmm. quite a bit. Um, I'm trying to think of where to start off with talking about this. Just get into it, baby. Hit him in the beans. Hit him in the beans. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so... In the preamble, uh, talking about this movie at the beginning of the episode, uh, I talked about how this movie kind of falls into our wheelhouse, uh, at uh, least the RJ yeah. wheelhouse, because uh-huh. boy, this movie has like full on farts going on in it, which is mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure a criterion first, because like uh, in the comedies that we've watched, like the ones that pop into mind are like uh, Life of Brian or This Is Spinal Tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are no farts in those movies. Uh, one thing so far, I think, what are we, 70 episodes in? So almost just over 70, the first 70 criterions. Yeah. Uh, there has been a, I've mentioned before, maybe not on the show, a serious neglect <laughs> and uh, oversight of uh, very few farts, very few butts, and very few dumps. Uh, there's been some butts, but uh, all the butts we've seen so far have been raped butts and stuff like that <laughs> uh like in Savo and the night porter and um that's just that's it's like not a, it's not as fun when it's like sad uh but this movie has like fun butts and fun dumps and fun farts and that's awesome because yeah. i i feel like if i was in charge of the criterion collection jared i would have drastically different picks in here and that would be pretty much the three criteria for the collection <laughs> wow yeah, as long as it fits one of those, I would let it in. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even even like Silence of the Lambs had some pretty good butts. Yeah, and it's got some ejaculate being thrown into people's faces. Mm, that's not really my bag, mm. baby. But such a, uh, such a prude. Yeah, I only like uh, it's well, I like the, the like. I mean, it's that stuff's all mean spirited. There's uh this this movie really captures the the grace the joy uh yeah the joy um and honestly just you know how how much like how much it empowers a person to just blow out a huge ass fart mm-hmm. and it's good and the, so the hilarity of it the hilarity uh what were we talking about uh that this movie is the first the first movie brave enough to tackle those topics here in the Criterion mm-hmm. Collection. Yeah, very true. So very that true. so that all being said, hey RJ, uh, what did you think of Good Morning? Oh fuck! I mean, farts and butts and dumps. In the first scene, a kid poops his pants. Yeah, like this is this is ideal. This is vintage RJ pick. Yeah, uh, yeah, I love stuff like that. Um, I thought this movie was good. Yeah, uh, I liked it. I think I'm. I think you and me are actually probably on the same page. Uh, I thought it was really good. Uh, I liked. Um, 
I like the humor, obviously. Uh, the fart stuff is all very funny. But uh, I also did really like um, kind of like the dynamic of the, the small town that he liked to sh- – like of well, the story. It's not even a town. Or like it's a, like a like neighborhood. A, oh, Just a, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. A, it's like the, the, the courtyard. Like the four neighbors yeah. who live together. Yeah, yeah, that that's a better way to put it. Like the dynamic of the neighborhood and mm-hmm. uh, these people who kind of share a life, like lives together. And I think that's like, um, I thought all that was really cool too. Uh, I won't. Um, I'll, I'll just say, yeah, I I think I'm on the same page with you. I really liked it, but I didn't like love it or anything. Uh, but yeah, like the dynamic of all the people living together, and I think it's a unique cultural thing too. Like um, the way that they live like that they lived in Japan in these ways, like the way their actual houses and structures were built, like, uh, kind of allowed, like afforded that stuff to happen where these, like in one scene that, or where say there's the traveling salesman who's like just in your house already, the the door to door dollar store guy, (laughs) because the doors just open and like he's allowed in your house where like, say over here, if someone knocked on your door and you didn't want to let him in, you just wouldn't let him in. Yeah. But like uh, they show it in another nice way where uh, uh, when the neighbor dad is drunk and he's like walking into the wrong houses and they're like, oh, you, you got the wrong house again, you goof. (laughs) And he's like, whoopsie. And he like goes to the next house. And uh, I think it's really it's really interesting to see stuff like that because it's so different from how it is here that it's like it's like I can't even it's like it's so alien to us to imagine kind of a lifestyle like that and i think he does a really good job of showing like these individual different houses and uh how they kind of live together with each other and they're all they all have different like attitudes and you get a sense that they're different people with different personalities and different lifestyles but they all kind of live together um and i thought that was really cool it's a it was a nice kind of I don't want to say like a quiet or like not like a quiet approach to the things, but this was a nice breather of a movie. Mm-hmm. Like I could just watch it and like relax where it's not like fucking night Porter. Like here's like crazy rape scenes remember, in your face. Hey, remember the concentration <laughs> camps? Yeah. And then it's like ballerina men. And psycho, it's just like psycho, you're watching it. psychosexual horror. <laughs> Yeah, you're well, like, let's just say that in your brow yeah, yeah, there, and you're there's a the, there's a big there's a big gap be, uh, between uh, Good Morning and Night Porter um, as it's far as bit. like cinematic experiences. Yeah, I'll, I won't argue that. You could say it's almost night and day. Ah, see what I did there, Jarrett. Yeah, see what I did. But uh, no, um, yeah, it's. I think that's that's what I want to stick with. It's a good breather because it was like, it was a. It was totally, com- even though it was like all this different lifestyle, is very comfortable to me because you do relate to a lot of these fa- like Ooh. familial ad- adventures yeah. and like lifestyles. Yeah. Well, because and- I mean, so actually, because it's funny because like you're bringing up Night Porter because we talked about that a while ago, really. But like last week, we watched uh, The Harder They Come, which yep. is like a dreary kind of like shitty time hanging out mm-hmm. in uh, uh, Kingston. But uh, here we get to hang out in I don't know what's like actual community this is in like japan but it's just this very quaint clean like whole the cleanness Mm -hmm. like i'm not talking about like oh "Oh, there are very cleanly people no it's like the design of like of uh what uh i guess the one guy doing the one of the special features on the blu-ray refers to as ozu land which is like the biggest thing like that's probably the most 
uh, iconic thing about Ozu is like all the visual aspects of his movies mm-hmm. where it's like everything's like shot in this full frame square. Um, everything is like the, the framing of everything is so precise. Uh, the way people move in and mm-hmm. out of frames, the way they're presented in frame, because he never does the shot of like, like two people at the same time in a shot talking mm-hmm. to one another, really. They're always like kind of contained within yep. a shot looking directly pretty well at the camera. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's like the other aspect. Um, I believe it's called, it's the Tamara, Tamar, Tamar, Tamamra shot, which is like, you notice it like, especially in like the movies that he made, uh, like around this period, like the dramas where he shoots it like about two, three feet above the ground at all, mm-hmm. all the time. So everything kind of has this like particular look of like, I guess the idea is it's like, if you were sitting on a Tam- Tamamra mat, this is the way you would see stuff, even though I think it's even mm-hmm. a little bit lower than that. So he's like, everything yep. is like laid out. Uh, and then when you start getting into like the, uh, the geometry and the grids and the straight yep. lines, uh, horizons mm-hmm. and like the clothing, the goddamn like crazy amount of like, um, like beautiful materials that everyone's clothes are made of. Uh, yep. Like the, like the kids sweaters to like those kimonos to like their like regular, mm-hmm. like day to day clothing. Everything has like a particular, look to it and it's just like um, it's just stunning like the amount of uh, production and it wouldn't it shouldn't surprise I don't know like to me I'm like I no one would be should be surprised if you found out oh Wes Anderson really likes Ozu <laughs> oh oh you don't say <laughs> uh, well like but like I was looking it up and I don't think like he goes out of his way to talk about Ozu that much even though it's like in a lot of ways like Wes Anderson is kind of carrying on the tradition of symmetry Mm -hmm. and like design Uh, maybe he doesn't want to give away too much of his uh, his uh, method Mm, perhaps perhaps (laughs) but uh, yeah I I actually I I just look back because when you were saying how um, like the last movie we saw if you look at the last fucking like three movies we watched Harder They Come Hamlet, Element of Crime, like those are all three pretty fucking like in your face movies. Yeah. Like even Hamlet, which is like eight hundred years old, and it's just <laughs> even it's like slow black and white film. Like it's still when you're watching it, you you gotta be kind of like be focused on it, you know. And uh, same with Harder They Come and Element of Crime. Like they're so very in your face. I feel mm, like uh, this was <laughs> visceral raw. Yeah, uh, so it, it, this is it was so refreshing to just have like a nice like have a nice movie you t- could just watch. T- talks of uh, loose tummies, loose tummies, and you know farting with your uh, English teacher and wrestling. I bet you liked all that sumo wrestling. Oh, that was so great. That little that, that that's like I don't know for nineteen because this is nineteen fifty nine like yeah. the, the little TV there it's like wow that's like uh, these guys aren't rich either but that's yep. kind of one of the aspects of this movie that we haven't even really gone into like the the I guess the big the movie theme, the movie itself we're just talking about we haven't talked the, about it at all yeah um so anyway uh so yeah this movie I mean. It, it pretty, I mean, it explicitly states like, cause the movie's got this title, Good Morning. And so this is like pretty in line with like, uh, all of Ozu's movie titles. They're very yep. like unassuming. Like, uh, he's like ones that are like about seasons, late spring an autumn afternoon, early summer, yep. late autumn, <laughs> uh, Tokyo <laughs> twilight, equinox flower, the end of summer. Uh, and then there's like early spring. Then there's like movies like floating weeds. Um, there was a father, uh, Tokyo chorus. Like these are all very like 
almost like pastoral like little titles that are like very unassuming mm-hmm. they don't bring attention to themselves uh, and so like with good morning I kind of just assumed like oh it's just like another like it's good morning is a pretty lighthearted idea and mm-hmm. that's what like, that's all I thought it was going to be like like good morning wouldn't play into it but no as it turns out good morning is like a massive driving force behind this movie because um, mm-hmm. one of the things that is often said because the movies start at the beginning of the day and kind of proceed throughout the rest of the day uh, is people say good morning to one another People say other things to one another, like, I love you, and good evening, Mm -hmm. and how's the weather? Um, And so this actually is what kicks off the, uh, as mentioned in the synopsis, the uh, silence strike that the boys do. Mm. Because, Mm -hmm. uh, so these two kids, they're they're going over to their English teacher's, uh, or I guess English tutor's house, to watch sumo wrestling on the TV, because he actually has a television, like, because, I don't know. He happens to have one. No one else. No one else can afford one. They're, they're, mm-hmm. In 1959, a black and white TV was probably pretty damn expensive. It's um, like a mint new Mac laptop. Yeah, it's like I'm overpriced. Go, some I'm, would I'm, say. Went over to my uncle's to watch, play with the iPad. I I can't yeah. afford an iPad. Um, mm-hmm. But so yeah, they're going over there, and the parents are like, "Come on, you guys are just like wasting your time <laughs> watching this garbage TV. You should be studying, and we don't want yeah. you going over there anymore." And they're like, "Well, if you don't want us to go over there anymore, you should buy us a TV." And they're like, "Well, that's expensive." And they're like, "No, he buys a TV." And they start mm-hmm. arguing. Dad, <laughs> Dad comes home. Uh, I can't remember the name of that actor, but he's like in every Japanese movie of all time. Uh, yeah, from Godzilla to Seven Samurai, and here mm-hmm. he is, and he's like the admonishing Japanese dad who's just like, "Shut, mm-hmm. shut up, quit talking back." And the kids are like, uh-huh. "Oh." Oh yeah, all you fuck, all you adults, and he says, "Fucking, of course, uh, mm-hmm. you fucking adults, you use all your pl- your pleasantries. They don't mean anything." It's so like uh-huh. you know, there's little kids like saying, "Why do people say that?" Good morning, good evening. It's like it doesn't mean goddamn thing. And mm-hmm. so they decide, well, you guess what, parents? I'm gonna we're gonna show you, and we're just not gonna say anything mm-hmm. to you anymore. And like mm-hmm. they they that's the plot of the movie essentially um like one of the, sure well, at least one of the driving forces of the story because then there's the entire background of like the domestic life of like mm-hmm. the women who make up the uh the actual homes of, of this courtyard mm-hmm. uh, living establishment um because within that there's uh concern about what happened to the the money to pay for our uh, like women's <laughs> council that we keep and so mm-hmm. you get a demonstration of like very sweet well-meaning women uh that like i guess like when they're not like doing what they need to do at home <laughs> there there's a lot of infighting and rumor mongering but all uh-huh. of, lots of smiles and uh everyone's like oh you know i i think they might have taken the money to buy a new wa- a washing machine and it's like oh i can't believe that uh that's <laughs> that, that bitch that, that 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 sort of thing uh yeah these are yeah. all these are all quotes lots of yeah lo- lots of fucking and lots of bitches in uh bitches. Good, good morning here um yeah. but yeah so there's like these, these dynamics of just like human interaction Mm-hmm. And uh, how people get to go about, and like how society functions, and like the mm-hmm. when when this when and it comes up once in a while, it's not like everyone's just like sitting around talking about why do we say good morning, and it's just like these brief little thoughts that just kind of pass through the movie about like why that why it's essential and why it's necessary because I think we've all had that feeling like when you're like walking down like a hallway or walking through an office and like everyone's just saying oh hey how's it going good morning uh, in our no. neck of the woods there's a lot of Working hard or hardly working. That's that's sort of like a, a hey. that that there is a staple of the the uh, blue collar working class uh, individual, mm-hmm. where it's just like you got nothing else to say, so you just 
blurted out and everyone just goes, uh, uh, uh. yep, mm-hmm. we all, we're all on the same page. We all share uh, a society and culture and we can just say these meaningless, stupid things that like mm-hmm. are like, I don't know, uh, just thought terminating like, yep. uh, cliches. I think, it's best, I think it's best shown when it's the uh, English instructor and the sister lady and they're talking about the weather. Oh, at the very end. And, uh, the, the, yeah. the, the money and shot. He, yeah. Yeah. He's just like, oh, it's a nice day. Oh, it is a nice day. Yeah, there's a lot of sun today. Oh, yes, there is a lot of sun today. Look at those clouds. Yeah, look at those clouds. Oh, yeah, that is a good cloud. And it just goes on for like five minutes. And you're like, fuck, I've had that conversation today. It's it's not quite five minutes, but it's a couple minutes. It goes on for about five hours. And you're just like, holy shit. It's played. And it's like, it's supposed to be funny because like so much of the way that characters are interacting in the movie is like they're looking directly at the camera and having conversations. In that particular scene, they're not looking at one another. They're doing everything they can to not look at one another while they're talking about this meaningless stuff and make quick glances at one another and of course one of the ideas is that they're both like actually like both very interested in one another romantically Mm -hmm. and these are just like the meaningless little things that people do uh, to not talk about what they really feel because it's easier RJ as this movie tells us to to talk about these things in a like meaningless way because there's no effort involved Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm not sure if that picked up on the microphone but I think our cat might be doing something bad in the other room Oh, it picked up, baby. Oh, good. It picked, oh, it. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I assumed it was your cat warlock. All I heard was uh, Chanel go, "Hey, yeah, hey, yeah, yeah." That's podcast Anyways. life. Anyways, it's cat life, bro. It happens. Um, it happens. Yeah. So, um, so that that's like a big thing, and I think everyone, I think on a larger level, people can relate to that idea of like meaningless yeah. things. And we've all had those thoughts of like, what the hell? Why do we say these stupid things? Why can't I just drop out of society? And why can't we be more mm-hmm. honest? But then you realize it's just easier. <laughs> it is. It is just easier. Yeah. Uh, hey, you know what we haven't talked about yet? What? That the cutest kid in all of the world is in this movie. Oh my goodness. God damn, that kid is a oh, cutie pie. Isamu. Yeah, I think everyone should have one. They're they're they're, they're, their house boy. He just hangs out and he just does. That kid is amazing. Holy fuck, man. Like I, cause like the, the, the image that always pops up with good morning is like the, uh, okay symbol, the, the, the the index finger to fourth thing or thumb. That always is the, um, the Mm -hmm. shot. And I was like, I didn't understand what that was. And then you watch the movie and you're like, Oh, but even before they get to that, basically it's like the, the two boys, there's the older brother and the younger brother. And that younger brother is like, he's quite little. Like, I don't know what Mm -hmm. you like five, six, but this kid precocious, wonderful. He does whatever his big, whatever his big brother says, he follows Mm -hmm. him around and he echoes whatever he says after he says it, which just accentuates like, I guess the comedy or the absurdity Mm -hmm. of it. And he just, whatever his brother says, he does it and follows it. And like, there's bits where like his brother will like slam a door and the kid will be like, yeah. And he like kicks something. It's like, yeah, it's awesome. There's a scene where he kicks that box (laughs) because the older brother storms off and the little kid's like, oh shit. And he goes and just kicks an empty box. He's like, take that, you fucks. Yeah. Uh, One other one. Another direct quote. (laughs) Another direct quote. Uh, I also really like um, when the uh, salesman comes and then the little kid, or no, the drunk guy is there Mm -hmm. and the little kid walks away and he's like pounding his fist. He's like, and he's like pretending he was, he's like, I'll beat the shit out of you, man. Mm -hmm. I will drop that fucker. This yeah. five-year-old kid said that, but uh, yeah, uh, he does it in such a cute manner. Like, oh, oh that kid's awesome. Yeah. I wish that kid was in every movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, every, every movie. Yeah, well, maybe every not, movie, not Salo. Oh, Jarrett, nobody <laughs> likes that movie. 
Nobody listening to this podcast likes that movie. It's the worst. Well, I'm just I'm just making it's I'm, just, I'm just stating the facts. Nobody wants to see Osamu in Salo, the 120 ah, Days of Sodom. And then that no, is no, no, no one wants to see movie. No, no one wants to see him in Henry V either. Let's be fair. But he he didn't prove that movie. Um, He'd be okay. Yeah. What else? So, uh, yeah, that kid, amazing. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I uh, watching this movie and then like watching uh, Your Name the other week. I was like, why why don't we have like school uniforms in like Canada, like just like in public uh, schools? The, you know, the Catholic schools do. Do they? No. 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 Uh, the ones like the boarding schools do, but. No. Uh, you know, I wrote a uh, paper in grade seven about uh, why I was for school uniforms. Oh, I feel like it would uh, would uh, diminish a little bit of that bullying because sometimes people make fun of kids who don't have uh, enough money to buy uh, all the hip clothes. That's right. So uh, if you want a copy of that, I'll, I'll send you one. Email us at criteriancreeps at gmail.com. <laughs> I'll, send you a, uh, I'll send you a Xerox of my grade seven paper about uh, school uniforms. <laughs> Beautiful. Yep. Uh, yeah, so yeah, uh, school uniforms, I think look pretty cool. I'm like, I can say that sure now because I'm not a kid because I wouldn't have hated it. But, yep. uh, now that I'm an adult, I, I get to make the decisions and ruin children's lives. I'm all for <laughs> yes, uniforms. Mm-hmm. That's one of the advantages of being old. Um, yep. yeah, so this movie really also demonstrates the beauty of brown. Cause this movie has uh, yeah. so many ranges of brown and it's like, you would think that like, usually people describe like set movies from the seventies as being, yeah, this is mm-hmm. a real brown movie. Well, this movie is like super brown, but this movie mm-hmm. showcases the beauty of brown that is like never really fully explored, but it's also offset by like t- texture and, uh, well, framing. Some, some people can't handle their brown, yeah. but, uh, this movie does it. Yeah. And with, with class, true class, with class, Jarrett. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, so. Going back to something you mentioned earlier too, uh, when you're talking about like how people kind of like come and go and just like enter people's houses, oh, yeah, d- does that make you nervous though? I mean, oh, fuck. Uh, if, if you recall, you you had a, a bad neighbor not that long ago, and uh, oh, God. imagine that scenario. Oh, I know, I know. Uh, yeah, we had a bad neighbor who shared a premises with us. Uh, we had separate entrances and se- separate living situations. We never actually had to see them, but. Just the uh, the thought of it, Jarrett. Mm. The thought. It always just drove me crazy. It's um, yeah. I don't know. Uh, I don't know where why people don't do that. It's like in what's that Michael Moore movie where he's just in Canada walking in people's houses, and it's just like lock your doors. It's like what the fuck is wrong with you? Like Canadian you Easter- bacon. Canadian bacon. <laughs> no, I think it was in Bowling for Columbine or something. Oh, where he's making a point about how yeah. like Canadians feel safe. Mm. And like no one locks their doors. Right. And it's like, fuck, I lock my door. I don't want those crazy fucking Eastern Canadians are doing mm-hmm. not locking their doors. Crazy yeah. bastards. Crazy bastards. Off but any, anyways, yeah, that's uh, that scares me. Um, that's I don't like that idea. No, lock your doors. Yeah, that's uh, people. We're, we're like we're we're nice Canadians and we're paranoid as fuck. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it's scary, man. Because no. uh, one minute you're living a nice life, you're petting your cats, and then boom, saloed. Rape butts. Yeah, because all the weren't all those kids uh, kidnapped. Yep. Yep. Yeah. See, it could happen. Fl- flick of a switch, man. Mm-hmm. Flick of a switch. Yep. Um. So what were you talking about? <laughs> uh, we're talking about this Ozu movie, and then we keep talking about oh. Salo. Uh So yeah, another, uh, so some other stuff that uh, Ozu like 
uh, things to look out for when you're watching these Ozu movies. Uh, contract players at the studio he was yeah. working at. So he has like a lot of the same actors playing role after role after role, but there was different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things he, had, he identified with Ozu is easy to follow stories. He wants to make a movie where it's like, anyone can watch this. It's not complicated. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is why he's like attracted to these like family dramas where it's just like, yep, here are the characters, here are the dynamics. But like all the characters are really well drawn. Like there's yep. this like in the story there's like oh there's like those weirdos who like who like just walk around in their like night clothes and you're like night clothes and you see them like oh shit they're in house coats and they're just like lounging about and that's just that's their style and it's just like mm-hmm. a nice little detail that's thrown in there and then there's the bit where like they're just like walking down the like courtyard area I guess like these this back alley essentially and they're just like dancing <laughs> and it's just like this thing you're like yep that just that's just there and uh, mm-hmm. everyone's still going about their business. Um... And then, yeah, straight on camera work. So again, like this mm-hmm. goes back to like easy follow stories. It's just like everything is there, but uh, yep. everything is like about these characters and like characters are having these like pretty naturalistic conversations, uh, all kind of guided by social niceties, yep. mm-hmm. which I mean is like also maybe like a kind of uniquely Japanese thing. I mean, one of the, one of the, a, a, a stereotype, I guess, of yeah. Japanese people is like, this is like, oh, this is like all, all Japanese people are basically living in an Ozu movie. I don't think that's actually that true because I've seen like other Japanese movies and they aren't like Ozu movies. So, uh, probably pretty close. Pretty, pretty close. Um, yeah. But yeah, so yeah, and there's like nothing too dramatic, nothing too serious going on in these movies. Uh, mm-hmm. Generally, like when the other ones I've seen, like there's like, like some sort of event and usually it happens off camera. Yeah. Um, in this movie, I guess like the big payoff is like when they get the TV spoilers. Hey, you wrecked it. I ruined it. That's like the big, that's the big payoff. Oh, that's, uh-huh. oh, that's another great scene in this movie. I actually quite a bit. So they like steal, uh, the, the rice pot and. Oh yeah. And this and something else. Uh, uh, it's uh, the kettle. The kettle. They steal that yeah. and they like take off so they like can go live on their own and like off yeah. in a ditch. And then a uh, police officer comes along and like this like <laughs> them like hightailing it out of there. It's like so yeah. good because it's like the cops is like, what the hell? What are they he's doing? He's just like so slowly walking yeah. to him. He's yeah. like, what's going on with these kids? And they're like, the older kids like scram. Yeah, they're fleeing. We've been made. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, good stuff. So are you going to uh, attempt this pumic powder gimmick? Oh, like the pumice stones? Yeah. Um, I would, but uh, go in, no. No, so you don't go into the office uh, <laughs> all the next little while and be like, "Hey, push my forehead." Yeah. Well, there's enough farts and dumps at uh, where I work. Mm-hmm. We don't need any extra, yeah. okay? Yeah, there's a lot of carnivores. I, I yeah. bet where you eat. Well, not even just that. There's some pretty heavy methane coming out of them cows all the time, man. Mm-hmm. You ever driven past a feedlot? Uh, well, we live uh, surrounded by feedlots, so uh, one, yeah. one wind later, and I know what it smells like. Yeah, try try living in that. So that's uh, we don't need any extra stuff. Okay. We're okay. Fair enough. Okay. Fair enough. Um, yeah. There's just like the one conversation that like I think about with this movie though is um, when uh, the the two boys' dads like he he's uh, after his shift working probably for an office 
he like yeah. stops by the local bar and like one of his neighbors there just getting loaded and he's talking about because <laughs> he's he's been retired he's retired and uh-huh. like now he's like oh fuck i have no money i can't do whatever i want at any time even though i have all this free time and mm-hmm. all like all i do is like have a little bit of money and i probably overspend and i'm just drinking and like he's just yep. talking i think there's a line about like how like the about the pointlessness of life and how it's all pointless <laughs> and it's just like yeah god damn I, I wasn't i wasn't expecting that here uh in good morning <laughs> Mm-hmm. Although it's a sad reality that uh, you know nothing matters, so not even this podcast. No, definitely not. It's in, it, well, there's like three people who enjoy it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I think. I think. Um, yeah. Any, uh, got anything else you want to th- share in your notes? Uh, to be honest, I didn't take a, a whole lot of notes for this movie. And I don't have a timestamp either. Me neither. Uh, I was just enjoying the ride. Yeah. Uh, I have very few notes, except I did have a quote where it, when the dad was yelling at the oldest son, and he said, "You're fussing, a, fussing about a small thing like a woman," <laughs> and uh, I thought that was pretty funny because it's uh, dated, and uh, not not how I feel at all. Uh, but uh, I thought that was pretty funny. Um, no, I don't know, man. Like what we what we were talking about earlier. Um, it, it's a very comfortable movie. Uh, I think it's pretty easy for a lot of people to be able to relate to this. Uh, just growing up, there's this neighborhood feel, which I think I think is getting farther away, it seems. If the internet is to be believed and these millennials are to be believed, that kind of neighborhood mentality is leaving and we're being taken over by these big cities and millennials and fidget spinners and it's just horrible but this is a nice slice of life yeah you know that's how i might describe it nice um yeah so on the the blu-ray i checked out uh, a straightforward boy which is a short film mm-hmm. from 1929 of ozu's it's like i don't even know if it's necessarily a short film but it's like an incomplete film of one of his mm-hmm. things and it's a story about like this like kid who gets kidnapped by this by this guy but it's like a lighthearted comedy and like you don't really understand what the goal of the kidnapper is it's just kind of like i believe it opens up with today would be a good day for a kidnapping and um and then he's that like problem child kind of uh except it doesn't have what is it the bow tie killer yeah uh yeah so this guy he's like he's a kind of a wacky guy does funny faces he's gonna kidnap Mm -hmm. this kid and i guess it's for like a ransom but they never really get that far and this kid just seems to be like very like oblivious to the fact that he's been kidnapped Mm -hmm. which is what keeps it from being like a nightmarish scenario um yeah basically they never get past the point where he's actually known anyone's noticed he's been kidnapped because it doesn't go very long because the kid's more of a nuisance than he's worth um Mm -hmm. and then he tries to return him but it's like more difficult to like get rid of this kid than it was to kidnap him and hijinks ensue very straightforward charming little story uh sure and then thing. i watched kind of like well, i guess what's considered like the precursor movie to this which which is called i was born but and it's kind of like so it was 1932 uh-huh. and it runs about the same length actually as good morning uh, maybe even a little longer. Uh, I'll read you the huh. synopsis. Two young brothers become the leaders of a gang of kids in their neighborhood. Ozu's charming film is a social satire that draws from the antics of childhood as well as the tragedy of maturity. Uh, hmm. So this movie kind of starts with like the two young boys who are also like already in their like silent strike. Um, yeah. the, the, the brothers are older. Um, but again, showcasing just like how 
cute like Japanese kids are in their little mm-hmm. like uniforms, and it's like, aren't they just the cutest little dudes? Uh, mm-hmm. This is like almost like a Peanuts movie, if you can like, mm-hmm. if that's like the best way of describing it. Or a what like, movie? A Peanuts, okay. as in. <laughs> As uh, yes, as in the Charles Schulz uh, peanuts. Um, yeah, and uh, make sure to heavy, he- lay that tea down heavy. Peanuts. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and yeah, so I mean, it's like a very charming little silent film, just of these kids doing stuff, and like it's shot like a Nozu movie. Like everyone's like fully framed, uh, not mm-hmm. just being it's not all shot in close ups like movies these days. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just a nice charming little silent <laughs> film. Uh, that definitely people should watch if they're watching their Good Morning Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. You know, I think that sounds awesome. And to be very honest, I feel that's what I've always hoped this show would uh, evolve to. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, not not the case when we have a co-host who's just a monster. <laughs> so, RJ, uh, yes. speaking of monsters. Oh, no. Who hates Good Morning? Bad people. Way too many people. Like, what? I was Why? like surprised. Uh, Yusuf, mm. who I, I think I've heard that name before, one yeah. and a half star. Uh-huh. Com- complete bullshit. <laughs> what? Yep. <laughs> okay. All right. Lay it on me, dog. That's it. That's it? Complete bullshit. Come on. No. <laughs> Yeah, uh, this was like I think a one star, one and a half star review. I didn't even copy and paste this uh. goose name. Um, this was my first Yo- Ozu flick, and for some reason, I started with this instead of Tokyo Story. After watching all pain-inducing ninety-four minutes, I can say that this is maybe the tumor of the Criterion Collection. <laughs> oh, shut up! Two good things. Why? Two good things. Acting was stellar, and cinematography was v- pretty. That's about it. The rest is one mm. massive shit show. <laughs> Come on. Good morning was one field of confusion. It never knew what it wanted to be. It wandered in the middle of nowhere until it went back where it was supposed to go, and then it was just zigzagging. And with all the nothingness it wanders off to, it shouldn't be shocking for me to say that it's not interesting. Good morning doesn't even try to make itself engaging in any way. And maybe one way it, would, it could have started with that it was actually taking time to develop the characters. The real plot starts halfway through the film, and in all that nothingness, it doesn't succeed at giving anyone depth. And then there's the story. What I got from it was uh, it was about two whiny brothers who wanted TV to watch wrestling, baseball, etc. When they're denied, they stop talking until they get one. Despite that puzzling me why exactly that would work of all things, spoilers, it did, they really don't learn anything in the end. So it concludes with the message that children just have to be brats to get what they want. Yippee. I don't know if I misunderstood this completely. But I found yes. it to be a snooze fest with a nasty core. Avoid. <laughs> okay, I got a few problems with this guy, Jared. Yeah. He says this movie didn't try. I feel like he didn't try. Yeah. Okay. This guy fucking didn't try. All right. Yeah. He's talking about. He's like it, the plot didn't kick in until halfway through. What? What is he talking about? The plot. Things don't have to have a plot. Okay. That's a jerk thing to say. It's like some guy who doesn't like a ghost story from David Lowry. It's like, what are you talking about? Plot. Just yeah. enjoy it, you ghoul. Look at the visuals. Uh, look at the visuals. But I think, like he's saying, he's like, maybe I missed something. He's like, yeah, you did fucking miss something. Because he's he's so hung up on like the plot of the story going somewhere. It's like I think you kind of missed the point, man. It's like it's 
it's not like it's a movie that you're trying to take away all this like deep shit from. It's like it's for lack of a better term, it's like a slice of life. Yeah. You know? It's like it's like this is just how people fucking live. Yep. What else do you want? It's sort of this like and what elevates it from just being a slice of life story, which is kinda of like what I associate with like um you would shoot it the way kind of like uh uh, the harder they come shot, like the cinema yeah. verite style, yeah. which is like very grounded and uh, gritty. Whereas this, it's like, hey, we're going to tell you a slice of life story, like the way that life's lived and with this like certain set of characters, but we're going to mm-hmm. do it beautifully. Everything's yep. going to be like super controlled, uh, super mannered, um, mm-hmm. and it's going to be like a stunning look, looking movie. So, yeah. Dang right. Dang rights. And then one last hater. This is two and a half stars uh, uh. from Ryan gray mccoy ozu has done a lot better before oh it does have a certain delight to it and i'm sure at the time it was culturally appropriate maybe it Mm. still is with a whole lot of films these days all being about social media ruining our lives oh come on come on it's like what what are they what is this guy us talking about Uh, social media uh and then rj had one too many fart jokes oh my Gosh. Okay. Uh, so that's not a that's that, not a thing. That bit with like the dad getting his pants uh-huh. on, getting ready for the day, <laughs> and his like bassoony farts, and then his yeah. wife coming in to be like, "What did you say? What were did you, you asking?" Oh fuck! Yeah. Uh, it it shouldn't, but it's like it's pretty fucking funny because they just keep going to uh-huh. it. And it's just like, bro. And like I love this, yeah. the little oh. the little kids, they like the, the our little Isamu, our our boy. He's got mm-hmm. like a little tweet, like a little toot fart, and uh, mm-hmm. it's classic. And then there's the poor bastard of a child, which we haven't even talked about this too much. The the the, the dumps aspect of this movie. Oh that, yeah, that that yep. fucking kid, because he he just can't get it out, and he gets the loose tummy, and he just shits his pants, and like there's even a shit pants sound. And, uh, yep. it, but it's like not what you expect. And then you get the sad shuffle. Uh, uh-huh. and then his parents saying that they're not going to buy him any more underwear because <laughs> he keeps shitting his pants. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like the, the thing that was pointed out, uh, in like the one, um, kind of like, uh, co- critic talking about the movie, uh, the very first shot of the movie, it's like uh, an electrical tower and sort of mm-hmm. like a shot of like the little neighborhood that we see, mm-hmm. but in a little, little area, you see the clothes hanger of like one of the backyards. The okay. fin- the final shot of the movie yeah. is underpants hanging mm-hmm. on the clothesline and off in the distance we see uh one of the like power grid towers. And it's like, yep. wow, we've really come full circle. It's like th- that Ozu just sliding yeah. that in there and the the payoff is underpants. Shitty more... <laughs> shitty underpants. <laughs> shitty underpants. There's nothing more full circle than shit in your pants, man. Yeah. Uh, and like that guy's like, oh, that's too much, too much. It's like if you can't relate to that, you're this guy. This is not one of my guys. No. Because if everyone pooped their pants, whether or not you want to admit it, no. Man up. Everyone maybe, poops. Maybe maybe it was a long time ago. Maybe it was just last week. Yeah, the point is, it fucking happens, man. Yeah, you've got all it. of us, and what and how you handle it defines you as a mm-hmm. person. Yeah, so this guy played his hand too early. We know, we know now this what guy, he's all about. That guy's probably got the shittiest pants of us all. Oh fuck! 
I guarantee he's shitting in his pants right now. Here's Ryan. You're, you're fucking on the call here on the Criterion Creeps podcast. <laughs> yeah, you shitty pants. Yeah. What's your... that guy's favorite movies? Probably doesn't he have butts and dumps in them at all. Not a one. Not a one. Fuck. Uh, Fuck. Unbelievable, Jared. Yeah. <sighs> well, I think that's it. Probably. Probably. We've been talking about shitty pants for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, after the break, uh, mm-hmm. legit. <laughs> what? Oh, so what? Ryan Gray McCoy, his favorite films are like the most basic bitch movies. Is it okay? Wait, let me guess. Are you recording this? Do we uh, need this in the episode? We're still recording. Okay, let me guess. So basic bitch. I'm gonna say. Probably Empire Strikes Back. Close. Probably at least one of the th- first three original Star Wars. Probably a Spielberg f- film. Maybe Jurassic Park. Maybe something else. Uh, probably Blade Runner. Uh, yeah. And uh, shit. What's a fourth? Uh, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Shit. You're, you're like, damn. Oh, there's, like, there's like the two dudes... That like are like always on the list, and it's like oh, this. This is like, I I really like the uh, I don't know the top one hundred films of all time. This is like yeah yeah, yeah. these move all four of these are just like on there. Okay, lay it on me. I th- I feel like I had pretty good guesses. Star Wars, just Star Blade, Wars. Blade Runner. Uh huh. Two thousand one, A Space Odyssey. Oh, fuck, See, course. in my mind, I always think of it's course. gonna be a Clockwork Orange. Uh, yeah. And number four, Pulp Fiction. Come on. Yeah, this guy's in his fucking Gucci sweatpants. Oh, you Not know what? Gucci. He's got a big beard. Oh, of course he does. Do you think he's an SJW? Oh, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, that's uh, that sucks. And he sounds like a bad person. Yeah. <sighs> good times. Okay. Good times. 